Hey y'all, uh, this is Reed, just giving a bit of context uh, from post-production. So we recorded this episode a little while ago before the news of DJ James and Jamal Hill's indefinite suspension or the start of fall camp. Um, so we're going to have another episode out soon giving our reactions to that along with Saturday Night Live, which we were both in attendance for, uh, as well as Oregon Media Day, which I got to cover with Ducks Digest. And then the start of fall camp, obviously, uh, which Charlie will actually be attending a few practices of uh, in person as well. So keep a lookout for that soon, probably in this next week. Um, and then, yeah, the episode you're about to listen to is more of a big picture look at the upcoming season of college football. So basically, we're going through win totals for the full Pac-12, uh, as well as a bunch of other major programs. Uh, major national programs. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to record. Uh, we both put in a good chunk of time uh, doing research for it. Um, and, and it's a pretty long episode. So um, it should get you in the spirit for the upcoming college football season that's going to kick off later that this month. Uh, so that's exciting. And yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the episode. Charlie, as always, joined by Reed, and uh, we got a big fat season preview for you guys today. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm actually really excited for this. Uh, I've, as as you know, Reed, I've been working on the world's largest spreadsheet. Um, yes. It took an obnoxious amount of time for me in the last two days. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm really excited. We'll go through all the Pac-12 schools. Um, We'll highlight some important matchups from around the country. We'll also touch on some other big programs around the country, um, obviously with an Oregon focus, but, uh, you know, there, there's a lot more than that, too. So, uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's going to be fun to dive into it. We haven't totally done a, a kind of broad focus show like this, but it's fun, and, and obviously we watch a lot of college football. So, yeah. I think the, I don't know, I think the playoff argument special might have into that category but i don't know if we need to speak of that anymore so yeah, <laughs> that, that might actually cool. like now that they <laughs> with the recent news of them moving to 12 i think that might actually be like the least important podcast we've ever recorded <laughs> yeah i think i think that might be the least like productive or important hour of my life <laughs> hour <laughs> you mean like three hours <laughs> oh boy um it's good content, though, I guess. Yeah, it uh, is good content. It is good content. Uh, we're actually going to start the show with some listener questions. Usually we throw those at the end, but um, we do have a couple good ones that don't necessarily relate to uh, the rest of the episode, so we'll dive into those. Um, first, from Cameron, he asks, in reflecting back on recent Ducks teams, think 2011 through 2013, uh, through the Cristobal era, is it fair to say Cristobal has outperformed Chip and Helfrich in recruiting offensive line and underperformed in skill position players? So basically, has Cristobal done better at recruiting O-line and worse at recruiting skill position guys? Um, uh, do you want to go first? Because I do have some thoughts on this. 
Uh, yeah, I can, I can go. Yeah. First off Cameron, big friend of the show. Uh, he's one of, he, I've known him since I was a kid and he's probably one of the main people responsible for getting me so into the ducks. So shout out to him. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I think that, you know, one thing that's interesting to me is that really the skill position players during the crystal ball era, I feel like the ones he's brought in haven't really gotten the opportunity to flourish that much. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think honestly, both people, both, both Chip and Chris all were kind of saddled like early in their coaching careers with three star developmental guys. And I mean, I think the guys Chris ball had being, you know, uh, Cyrus, Habibi, Likio, Travis Dye, obviously CJ Verdell, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, all are good, but I think, you know, they're just a little worse than the ones that Chip had with LaMichael and Kenyon. Um, so I think, you know, those guys definitely achieved more at Oregon offensively in terms of playmaking than our current group has. I think that's obvious. I mean, the other big factor is, is no offense has probably ever been as favorable to skill position players as chips. <laughs> as chips was exactly at Oregon specifically yeah. right um yeah what what else did you think about it I mean I think the o-line part of it is pretty easy uh first of all definitely outperformed on o-line again like a lot of that is because of what each of these coaches is stressed um for chip and Helfrich, offensive line was kind of an afterthought it's like or not an afterthought but I mean it, there was not as big an emphasis on it as Mario has been giving it right um and then, again, like vice versa for skill position players. It's not that uh, Mario doesn't like care about skill positions. It's just that he's more – his focus, at least personally, seems to be more on the offensive line. Of course, he was an offensive lineman. That's sort of what we're building the team around. That's what the offensive scheme has been built around, um, at least from what we do have that's tangible in the Cristobal era. I would kind of – like, the only part of this I might not agree with is that Cristobal has underperformed recruiting skill position players. I mean, he's getting some of the best recruits out there. Guys like Troy Franklin. I mean, Micah Pittman was a huge pickup. But again, like, obviously Franklin hasn't played yet. But these, some of these big recruits, bigger recruits have been sort of hindered by um, whether it was a Royals offense, stressing more, like, sort of between the tackles. Um, right. And, it, of course, you know, Chips is going to spread it out a lot. Could the guys that we have now do what the uh, Chip Kelly guys did? Hundred percent, like probably, probably even better. Honestly, I mean, well, I, some of them, I think. I, yeah, I don't think yeah. we like we don't have uh, LaMichael James or Kenyon. No, that's fair. But know. I mean, the way I kind of think of it is like replace Jeff Mail with, um, right? You know, <laughs> anyone in our receiver room, like or any of our top end recruits recently, like no disrespect to Jeff Mayle. He's one of my favorite ducks of all time. But again, like that's because he was sort of an undersized dude that was right. able to break out um, because right. Chip could just scheme guys open so well. Yeah, exactly. I think um, like you said, I think the answer with Chris will really, you know, isn't over yet. Uh, I think true. that yeah. there'll be a bit, there'll be a new chapter once, this this next group steps into their roles, I think will be really exciting. Like, I mean, I think, 
you know, just like the career that I think a lot of people are anticipating from Troy Franklin alone could, I think, reshape how people view this question a lot. But we've talked about Micah Pittman before. I think that's a name that um, probably highlights the difference in scheme and development a bit. I think Micah Pittman probably would have, you know, had a lot more breakout performances in the chip offense so far. Um, I mean, Chip Chip and Health did it so well with, you know, like Darren Carrington. They turned into a a star for a second there. Uh, Not that he was a, a... poorly rated player or anything, but, you know, um, he broke out as, I think, a freshman in that Rose Bowl. Um, Braylon Addison is a guy who is rated similar to Micah Pittman, and, I mean, he thrived in that offense. Um, so I do think, you know, there's there's a reason. T- uh, there, I think there's reason to be a little bit wary of what Cristobal has done with the skill position players, but I also don't think I would, you know, uh, jump off the ledge fully or something and say that we can never produce dynamic skill player positions, especially after the class we just recruited was such a big statement um, and brought in more talent in terms of the skill positions than we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, That, that kind of transitions into the second question that we have Uh, this one from jug master general. Great name. Um, Will there be a 1,000-yard receiver this season? I'm assuming he means on the Ducks. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of hesitant about this one. Um, I think the, the like the better question from my end would be, like, if we were to have a 1,000-yard receiver, who's it going to be? Because, um, again, we've got all these great names, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Redd, Micah Pittman, Devin Williams, but none of them has really shown yet that they're the guy. Right. You could kind of argue that with Johnny Johnson, uh, with her. I mean, he was Herbert's like main target for a little bit, at least at wideout. But yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm seeing a thousand yard receiver again. Like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be so skeptical because it's uh, what's the date today? July fifteenth. Um, you know, maybe in fall camp someone really steps up and shows out. Shoot, maybe during the season, like someone steps up and shows out. But as I'm looking at it right now, it's kind of hard for me to. To, to say we have a thousand yard catcher on this team yeah i would say no uh right now you know I'm, I'm gonna bet against it but i don't think that's for a lack of talent at the wide receiver position or like i don't think that that means that wide receiver will be a hole on our team i think it's yeah it's kind of the opposite our, right exactly but i think we have so many names there um and it's especially just the fact that some of our most talented players are younger or newer in the system. And then you have guys like Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson, who I think probably aren't quite dominant enough to get to that thousand yard mark, but they're so experienced that we're not going to keep them off the field. Um, and so if they're eating up 500 or 600 yards or whatever it is, you know, then it makes it that much harder for someone else to, um, get there i i like your rephrasing of the question if it does happen who would it be um i think you know i i think devin williams is the big yeah. name we saw it in flashes last year where he had uh games over 100 yards um and so if you can stack up a few of those obviously you get pretty close to that thousand mark um so I could definitely see that happening. Wouldn't shock me. I think Troy Franklin's the guy who 
if if we were um, Cal or something, I don't know, or uh, you know, a, an offense that just didn't have a solidified weapon, mm-hmm. I think if you just threw Troy Franklin out there as a freshman and said you're our wide receiver, wide receiver one, let's build an <laughs> offense around you. I think he's honestly good enough right now to get a thousand yards. Um, I just don't know if Oregon will go that all in on him, but if he's, if he's that good or if he's even better than that um, and he's that type of star, you know, I, he has the talent to get there. I think there's a good chance he gets there at some point in his Oregon career. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be the other one. And then, yeah, Johnny Johnson, maybe things go a certain way. Maybe there's injuries or something that make him more of a factor and uh, or we just have to rely on him a little more. But overall, I'd say I'd probably bet against this being anything close to the Dylan Mitchell situation where our offense yeah. is built around one receiver so heavily. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I would agree with you. Williams, probably the first candidate for that. Maybe Pittman, maybe Franklin, but... Um... If we have a guy, I think it'll be Deb Williams. But yeah, you know, we'll wait and see. Again, if someone doesn't get there, that that totally doesn't mean we don't have a, you know, good passing game or anything. We're just spreading the love a little bit. Right. Exactly. Um, you mentioned a little bit about um betting, and so that's kind of a good segue into our our sort of overall season preview. Um, again, this is July. This is being recorded in mid July. Um, so don't put too much stock in anything. We're going to learn more in the next few months than, uh, we've learned in the last probably year. (laughs) I think it's safe to say. Um, yeah. And and me and Charlie both are kind of, of the opinion that we don't really go out and like make, build our brand on making these bold predictions and defending them to their death. Like we want to give you guys a look at, at, how this thing could shake out, who has a good chance of doing stuff. But I mean, I'm not going to stand on the table and shout that, uh, I don't know, Florida is a playoff team or something. Uh, I don't think they are. I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm, I, that's not a take at all. I'm just saying, (laughs) I think some people do that where they, you know, just pick a team and are like, I'm going to draw attention by just going to bat for them no matter what. Yeah. So we're not going to quite do that, but we're going to look at odds. Like you said, um, win totals and all that. I think that's what we've realized. I've gotten more into the betting side of things in the past uh, year or two. And, and I mean, you realize, you know, the people who are crafting lines and taking on a bunch of uh, financial stakes on it, you Mm -hmm. know, have, have some incentives to get a, a pretty good number there. Um, yeah, this isn't your uncle talking to you about, oh, no, this team's definitely not good enough to beat that team. Like, oh, there's no way Georgia loses to Florida two years in a row. It's like, I mean, this is why lines are a good measuring stick and why, like, Vegas is – this is what Vegas is good for is, like, creating an actual realistic probability of what will occur. Um, right. And, again, a lot of this is still totally ambiguous. I mean, we'll go through some odds that are very favorable to some teams. Um but shoot, I mean, even stuff like, uh, you know, Ohio State is, for example, um, minus 200 to win the conference. That means if you you would have to bet $200 to, to win 100 on that bet. Um, like, minus 200 is like, you know, that that's good. That'll probably, that's more likely to happen than not. But it's not a foregone conclusion by any means. Um, yeah, that that's my, I, that's one of the big misconceptions I like 
uh, stand up against is, is so many fans get tired of, of foot of college football resulting in the same outcomes. And then they tell you that, um, you know, that Ohio state, Alabama and Clemson make the playoff every single year and that there's no shot that they miss it. And I just don't think that's true. It's like, um, that's obviously the most likely thing to happen again, right. most likely like nobody's going to argue with you about that. But, I mean, shoot, if you combined all three of those odds and bet on it, it would probably be less than 50%, I would imagine. Yeah, if, if you look at um, the, the FPI, too, is, like, another thing I like to look at. They have percentages for winning out, uh, going undefeated. No team has a higher percentage than uh, 34%, I think, and that's Clemson. Like to win Alabama- out. To to go undefeated yeah. through the through the conference championship too, like Alabama's is fifteen percent, um, so well, like that like that's pretty crazy compared to like I feel like most fans would tell you like, oh Alabama has a seventy percent chance to or I don't know you know yeah but, yeah but people just like act like it's all like so many things are a foregone conclusion. So that's another great segue into. Um kind of what we want to touch on before we dive in conference by conference, team by team, is that um, that Clemson 34% chance of winning out, guarantee you most of that's going to ride on their very first game of the season. And this is probably the biggest, it's easily the biggest non-conference game of the season. Maybe not easily because Oregon, Ohio State exists. Um, But week one, September 4th, Clemson and Georgia meet in, I want to say it's North Carolina, right? And where the Panthers play. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Dude, this is, this is going to be an insanely big game. Um, as we were talking about before recording, like the result of this game will unequivocally sway the entire like season of college football, the entire perception of the entire yes. season in week one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's as big as it gets, really. Um, I mean, unless Bama and Clemson played week one or something. Um, but, I mean, having having a team from the SEC and then the power Clemson and the ACC play and having those both be top four or five programs right now. Two playoff caliber teams. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, two championship caliber rosters, too. You don't get much more talent than those two schools um, at all, really. So it's going to be a, a huge game. Like you said, they'll completely shape narratives. I mean, as a as an Oregon fan, at least during this current playoff, we're always looking at what is Oregon's chances to probably get that last spot in that playoff or that mm-hmm. third or fourth spot. You know, we all know one at least is going to the SEC. We think one probably goes to the Big Ten. Ass- um, assumed Ohio State. Yeah, yeah assumed Ohio State. Uh, and most years, you assume Clemson maybe gets one, um, probably gets one. And this throws a big, uh, you know, wrench in that in their chances to do that because Georgia's a very serious team to play week one. I mean, it's it's really going to be a neck and neck game, I think, um, that could, you know, is going to be decided by close margins or at least it's tough to predict going into it. Um yeah. And if Clemson gets knocked out, you know, they're one loss away from basically being out of it completely. I mean, mm-hmm. a two-loss ACC team is going to be really tough to uh, get in there. And then same with Georgia. Really tough read impossible. <laughs> right. Yeah, basically impossible. 
Uh, and then same for Georgia. I mean, they have a little more margin for error being in the SEC, but losing that game is going to set them back knowing that, you know, they still are going to have to beat Alabama at some point if they want to get uh, probably in a, in a conference championship uh, scenario um, and Florida and, you know, <laughs> Auburn and all that. I like it. Yeah, they, I mean, we'll we'll go through both those teams' individual schedule, schedules in a little bit. Um, but the bottom line is that like it's very rare that you get this impactful of a game so early in the season. And so, what right. I want to kind of do is like keep in mind at the moment um, from the lines I just checked earlier, Clemson's a four-point favorite right now. So that's kind of where we stand, like leaning Clemson, but not you know decisive by any means. Um, Say Clemson wins this by a long shot, which pains me to say because, as you, some of you may know, I am a Georgia fan as well. Uh, don't worry, my I will always be loyal to the Ducks, but um, I did go to Georgia for a little bit as well. Um, Georgia <laughs> will kind of be laughed off the stage at this point. I mean, it's yeah. it's nothing... I hate Kirby smart hot seat discussion because it's just not realistic, and anyone who says that must be forgetting that Georgia pretty much dropped um, a national title against Alabama a few years back. Yes, yes. Um, like, it's not just that they lost, and it's not just that it looked bad in the way they lost, but, I mean, they... It's as close as you can get. Literally, I mean, over, yes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> overtime loss. Um, I mean, yeah, if Georgia loses that game, I, it'll be a major letdown for them. If they lose it close, obviously, if either team loses this game close, they can get their way back into the playoff. I would also venture to say if either team loses by, you know, double digits or more, even if it's a maybe not a blowout, but if it's like, you know, semi-competitive game, um, maybe 10s, 20s, somewhere in there for a loss, um, they, I could definitely see either of these teams climbing back into the playoff. Obviously, if Clemson runs the table in yeah. the ACC and you know does it comfortably, they'll probably be in, uh, unless they had just got like thrashed by Georgia. Um, if Georgia, um, again, if Georgia gets thrashed and they go through the SEC, like you still, I don't really think you can say no, no debate to them. there. There's no debate there if they if they went out the rest of the way. Yeah, let's be honest. Whoever's winning the SEC any year is in the playoff. Even if they right. somehow emerge with like two losses and some or three losses and some crazy weird scenario. Yeah, it would have to be really weird where where a three loss team from the East like gets into the because of you know crazy tiebreaker and the East gets in and then they yeah. barely upset someone and there's an injury or something. But yeah, I mean basically it's it's gonna be tough to win the SEC and not get in. Yeah, exactly. Um. All right, let's move to some other big matchups. Obviously, Oregon-Ohio State, week two. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we've talked about this quite a bit already. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have an opinion about it already. Um, obviously, the 9 a.m. start time doesn't exactly help the Ducks. Um, but at the same time, just go in and win, baby. Um, Ohio State's a 10-point favorite right now. Uh, again, like, not, you know... 10 points, you're expected to win that game. Um, but that does not mean that it is a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of a comparable kind of like 
Well, wasn't wasn't Clemson like ten point favorites against Ohio State in the playoff last year? I feel like that's a good measure of state. I don't think it was that big. Maybe it was like it seven was or something. They were definitely yeah. favored though. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, um, yeah. Ten is not. I mean, we were probably more than ten point favorites versus Cal or Oregon State oh, last definitely. year. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think uh, we've been. We. I, I think this. Uh, Ohio State matchup is really interesting. I mean, we'll we'll do more of a complete preview on it as things get closer. But my thoughts have shifted recently a bit. I've I've seen both sides of this matchup. I felt like Oregon should be neck and neck with them at times or be in real contention. And then I kind of went into the phase that I think a lot of Ducks fans are still in, which is like Ohio State is a good amount better than us. They're a top three team. Uh, and we just don't have much of a shot at all to win that game. Um, and now I'm kind of being pulled back into thinking that we have a decent chance um, because you know, I just think we view these teams as a little more perfect than they are. Yeah. Um, college football is a, is a sport built on imperfections and roster holes, and, you know, it, there's always crazy stuff that ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Um and Ohio State is, has lost games before. They're starting a new quarterback. They do have holes at um, in the secondary is, is not super strong. I think that um, you know, yeah, they could struggle to defend us on the on the um, outside. And I also think that you know, Kayvon could be a game changer in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're so quick to remember the times we've matched up against these teams in the past and just assume, well, we don't have any shot in the trenches against them. We know that we don't have anyone who can pressure them. And that's not true anymore. You know, we have the guy in college football this year. Uh, There isn't at least going into the season, you know, on paper, there isn't a matchup that Kayvon loses really. Yeah. Uh, Or, you know, or at least can't play even in. So, I mean, that's huge. Like when you have that guy who who can elevate the program, elevate the whole play along the D line, draw a second guy or something, that wreaks havoc. Um, and so I think it could be close. Ten is not that much. I think that you know I'm not going to go in expecting a win. I think where our, our chances are still thirty uh, percent or something, mm-hmm. uh, thirty or you know twenty five to thirty five percent, something like that. But I'm optimistic. I think that fans who go in saying we don't have a shot and Ohio State is just at a much different level than us um, aren't seeing the full picture that college football is still an unpredictable sport. Even if you accept that they're a tier above us, it doesn't mean that, you know, something can't happen on that Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Um... Or, or that just, you know, these teams go in cycles too. Ohio State kind of had a, a big year last year where they, I think, peaked a bit as a group. Um, you know, the Justin Fields last year. Um, and, you know, they had a lot of talent on that team. So I think, some, you know, you hit that peak and then every roster has to go through ebbs and flows where they reset and then, you know, go back to build to another level where they're a championship team. And the interesting thing about this year is that Ohio state, Alabama and Clemson all have new quarterbacks. So there is some mm-hmm. possibility for increased parity, I think in the sport. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that's 
that's a great point is like you never want to pre like you never first of all like it's a sport so you can never determine like by default you can never determine the outcome before it happens second of all like you especially can't pre prescribe i guess is the word i'm looking for that um those three teams bama clemson and ohio state will automatically be in the playoff when they especially when they have three new quarterbacks coming in obviously we've kind of seen what dj can do with clemson um and we'll touch on all these situations individually as we go through each team but i mean you know you could always end up with like a, a georgia situation last year for lack of a better comparison like where you're kind of presumed number one guy just maybe he's injured or something just doesn't work out and all of a sudden you're stuck with a number two who can't really handle things Maybe the number one's not all they cracked up to be. Um, so, yeah, it's just there are a huge um, – a lot of people always for, like neglect the fact that there's a huge amount of pressure on these kids and that they're also kids. <laughs> so you you never know what's going to happen. Um, right. One uh, week one matchup – or a couple week one matchups that uh, I also want to touch on. Bama's got another one of those neutral site games against a big name. Uh, this one's Miami in Atlanta. Um, right now, I mean, Bama are still favored as, you know, 17-point favorites. Uh, but you never know. Like, Miami's still got Derek King. I think he'll be healthy for the start of the year. Or that's kind of up in the air. Um, I'm not sure. That could be a huge game that, you know, changes the college, college football landscape. Obviously, if Miami wins or even makes it close in that game, you know, how does the perception change of the ACC? How does the perception of Bama change? Right. Um, you know, big questions. But really, in these first two weeks, these are maybe the two biggest weeks on the field for the Pac-12 uh, Yes. that I can remember. Um, it's not just the Ohio State matchup. Obviously, the same day you got UW going to Michigan. That's a huge game. Huge game. Again, both of those were slated to happen last year um, on the West Coast, and obviously COVID has neglected those matchups. Um, I mean, that Washington-Michigan game is pretty much even money right now on either of those teams. Uh, week one, um, LSU goes to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's rare that you see um, SEC teams traveling very far for games. Um, especially to the West Coast. Especially to the West Coast. Uh, Auburn and Penn State are playing in Week 2, though. That That's another one to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. But another Week 2 matchup I want to mention that probably won't matter, but I still want to mention it, is Texas A&M is playing against Colorado yeah. in Week 2. And that game's technically a neutral site, but it's in Denver at Mile High. Right. Um, and for those who, who don't remember, uh, you know, or you need a refresher, Colorado almost won the South last year. Yeah, um, yeah they were really damn close. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that I'm not picking them to win this year or anything, but, you know, they're elevating from a basement team. This isn't, I think some people think, oh, this is just like throwing Arizona in there and they're going to get slaughtered. No. no, Arizona is the basement of this conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and But Colorado's a... Uh, big step up from it they're right there alongside uh you know ucla and utah yeah, and stuff yeah. <laughs> as, as as potential um i don't know threatening teams in this conference i guess not yeah playoff they're kind teams, of like tier two pac-12 south teams right now. yeah you know if colorado ended up 
you know, ranked 25th or something at the end of the season, it wouldn't shock me, you know, just like UCLA. Um, and so, you know, if they're kind of like that, they have a chance, especially in Denver, to do something, at least make it competitive maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of I like the matchup for for the Pac-12 because it's almost a no-lose situation. I don't think anyone expects Colorado to be close. That's true, yeah. And if they win, it will be a crazy upset. Yeah. Um, Same thing with and LSU close, and yeah. UCLA, honestly, which right now – LSU is a four-and-a-half-point favorite for that game. Vegas really really going in on UCLA for this one. Like, Yeah, yeah. And dude, four-and-a-half is totally attainable. You that line, yeah, that line will shock a lot of people for sure. But um, we we're listening. I was listening to uh, Josh Pate uh, preview that game a while back, and he said that line could be even less if people went off their pure power ratings. I think UCLA yeah. had a good year last year, and LSU yeah, – had a really bad year last year, um, not for a lack of talent. If LSU puts it together again, they could be right back to a little lesser version of what they did in, in 2019. Um, yeah, it's two teams if, on like opposite, approaching this from opposite ends of the spectrum in a lot of ways. Right, right. but I mean, that's a huge statement, and I think it's it's another one. You know, Pac-12's in a bad spot in terms of its its national perception is pretty low, but it's in a good spot because, you know, I think if, if UCLA goes out there and loses by 17, I think no one's really going to bat an eye nationally. Like, they probably won't pay attention to it. But mm-hmm. if they win, it's going to be a big story. Um, so we have a chance to upset some things if we can pull off those, those big non-conference games. Yeah, exactly. I mean... UCLA mid-tier right now I think it's safe to call them a mid-tier Pac-12 program Mm -hmm. almost pulled off the upset against us last year like we're scarily close to beating us in Autzen and USC and uh, USC yeah they should have won that game um which you could say about a lot of USC's wins but what have you um again they have Chip Kelly so you, you know they they can always boom um, but as I kind of mentioned, like they're coming from opposite ends here. Like LSU's a mid-tier SEC team who has a bunch of talent, hasn't really put it together. UCLA definitely can't say they're maximizing their talent, but I feel like they're, I mean, I haven't kept track of a lot of UCLA recruiting, but I feel like they're sort of starting to punch above their weight, um, on the field. They're at least improving from what they were a few years ago, which was an automatic right. win basically. Um, right. So, yeah, I yeah, think that'll be a really good yardstick game for sure. Right. Um, Let's see. What do you else? want to keep digging into conference schedules, or do you want to go through those when we go um, through the individual previews? Yeah, that's probably better. Uh, yeah, we, we can wait on those. Um, okay. I've got them highlighted, so we'll make sure to hit those matchups. So, yeah, let's just dive right in uh, to some win totals here. Um for those unfamiliar with the concept of win totals, very briefly, um, this is uh, this is a betting thing where Vegas or you know insert wherever you're getting your odds from will give you a number. Uh, for example, Oregon's is nine, um, and either you either bet over that or under that. So I mean, over under on wins for like all of these. Some of them are halves, like for example, Georgia's ten and a half. Uh, meaning that they're either, you know, do you think they're going to have 11 wins or more or less than 10 or, you know, less than that. Um, 
And it's also worth keeping in mind that this is for regular season win totals. This does right. not count conference championships. This does not count playoff games. Theoretically, it's just the twelve season. It's just the twelve regular exactly. season games. Yes. Theoretically, a team could um, potentially have what is it now? Fifteen wins. Fifteen games. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, we're only counting regular regular season. So, with that being said. Uh, we're starting in the Pac-12, and we're starting in the Pac-12 North, and I think we should start with the Pac-12 North favorite. Um, <laughs> Who's that? Who's that, Charlie? Uh, or or Oregon, <laughs> or or Oregon. Um, this team uh, is minus one ten to win the division, meaning we are the odds-on favorites. Uh, with Washington trailing closely at plus one forty, so it's basically. It's seen as a two-horse race. Not a um, huge drop-off. Oregon is the favorite to win the Pac-12. And uh, although our odds to win the national title aren't great, they're for reference, they're on par with uh, Tennessee, Michigan, um, Texas, basically all underperforming big programs. <laughs> um, slightly worse than Miami, North Carolina, uh, and NC State actually has the same odds as us to win the Natty. That's what? kind of disappointing. Yeah, I don't. That's kind of a head scratcher there. Maybe I did a typo, but um, but yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, our regular season win total is nine. Um, and I don't know. Maybe we've done this before, but briefly, do we want to just go through game by game and kind of dissect the schedule, see where we can get nine wins out of it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, open up week one, Fresno State at home. I think we can count that as a tentative W. Let's, for the sake of, you know, for the sake of making this close, let's assume we lose the Ohio State game, just for the sake of counting. Is that fair? Yeah, I think I kind of look at it, you know, in in blocks, like we have how our schedule shakes out as we have those five games before the first bye. I think Fresno State, Stony Brook, Arizona – all will be wins. It will be a matter of how close they are. Um, And then, (laughs) yeah, right. Uh, And then Stanford is the last game there. That's a losable game. I think we win that a lot more times than we lose it, but on the road at the farm on the road. Yeah. Hostile, hostile crowd there. (laughs) You know, by week six, come back week seven. And we got Cal at home on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, that should be a win. Uh, then we have UCLA away, Colorado home. Yeah. yeah, Cal's a little down, I think, this year. Um, yeah. I think that I'm, I'm, I'm not quite as worried about Cal as I was before. I mean, hopefully that doesn't come to bite us after last year. But um, All three of those games, I think you can say, should be wins. Yeah, so. I think, I mean, just how this shakes out, you know, we go into – Week seven, we should be about we should be five and one then, at least. You know, I going think, into week seven or coming out, or coming out of week yeah, seven. Yeah. Um, and then we um, go to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA again. UCLA boomer bust team. They could be good. We don't really know yet. Um, yeah. So maybe that. I mean, shoot. Maybe by time of kickoff, that game is almost even money or something. Um, again, we'll, we'll get to UCLA in a little bit, but. Shoot, if they beat LSU and look impressive against, say, Washington, who they have the week before, um, that could be a pretty close one. But right now, we can expect that to be a win, I think it's safe to right. say. Uh, Colorado at home should be a win. 
Um, and then we get to <laughs> the real interesting part of the schedule. Um, yeah. Week 10 against UW. Uh, this is probably the biggest, in, like, biggest Pac-12 game of the year, I think it's safe to say. Um, right now, the Ducks are slotted as one point one and a half point favorites so you know it's basically even money um two years ago obviously this game didn't get to be played last year because washington had covid issues we all know how that shook out in the end uh all it's really done is intensify the rivalry um especially because the last two games played between these teams have been extremely close thankfully the ducks have pulled out both of them um yeah, man, th- this is going to be a huge, huge game. That's week 10, November 6th up in Seattle or Montlake or whatever suburb it is. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. shoot, it's it's basically like I think us and a lot of other fans are kind of looking at this one like if we win the UW game, we're winning the conference or at least, you know, winning the winning. North. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the odds, like you've said, are a huge drop off to win the division after Washington. Um, I think that's fascinating just to get that picture going into it. Um, and the interesting thing about Washington's schedule is that they have, you know, they're going to be in every game they play. They don't really have an Ohio State game like us. And even though I think we're a better team than them, um, they're still good enough where, you know, you could make an argument that they're favored in every game they play except for ours. Um, so there's a chance that things click for them and that they're eight and O going into the Oregon game. You know, the Michigan game is the other one that's going to be a real toss up. And then I think you look at, uh, I mean, they've shown the ability to lose games against teams like, um, Oregon state and Cal and, mm-hmm. um, Colorado. I don't think that, yeah, Colorado. I don't think they have UCLA on their schedule this or no, they do. Yeah, they do have UCLA on their schedule in, in week seven. So that's that's another one that I think we both agree will be a big team this year mm-hmm. in the Pac-12 or, or a potentially threatening team. Um, so that's interesting, I, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, if we get over that Washington hump, uh, Wazoo and Utah and Oregon State, I mean, out of those three, I think Utah presents the most interesting challenge because it's an away game in week 12. Um, obviously Utah is always a tough place to play. I can't think of like a runaway win we've really had there. Um, there was that one year when the dude dropped the ball in front of the end zone, but yeah, yeah. obviously if he didn't do that, then we would have been down like 14, nothing and it could have been a very different game. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think those last three games shouldn't pose much of a threat. Uh, but also Wazoo can be a trap game. I mean, coming off a either big win or big loss against Washington, Wazoo at home is never easy, as we have both experienced firsthand. Yeah, um, and I mean, and then I hate to say it, but uh, when you go Washington, Washington State, uh, and then you go on the road to Patco South, it can't help but bring back my PTSD from 2019. Mm. Um, that Utah game is positioned kind of similarly to where that Arizona state game was. Um, And so, you know, that's just how it goes. This team's going to have to show up. Um, Luckily, you know, there's holdovers from that old group, Johnny Johnson and, and Kayvon and Jalen red and those guys I'm sure will be in the ear of the team 
uh, if we do get into that Utah game and we have one loss or something and, and we're in a position to maybe try to fight for a playoff spot. And uh, worth mentioning as make well, sure we don't ignore it. Worth mentioning that Utah might be undefeated by the time we get there. I mean, let's let's run through their <laughs> schedule real quick. Uh, their kind of biggest threats up until week 12 when they host us, uh, they got BYU in week two. That's an away game. It's always interesting, but they usually seem to win it. Um, they play at USC week six, which, again, USC could be terrible, could be fine. Um, other than that, I mean, they play UCLA and Arizona State, but they avoid Washington in the cross division. So, I mean, there's not a lot of – I mean, again, it's the Pac-12. Anything can happen. Um, some teams will rise from our expectations, some will fall, but we could end up having sort of a Pac-12 title game situation where Utah are maybe even undefeated and really gunning for something. Um, and that's the best scenario for the conference in Oregon is, is if those two wash at that Washington and Utah game at the end of Oregon season are as big of a deal as, mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and even that uh, UCLA game, I think, is another one yep, that Oregon yep. it could be in good position for. Unfortunately, they get Washington right before they get Oregon. So, yeah, um, you know, maybe they drop Washington. to Washington. Yeah. yeah. Um, but let's go back to the North. Let's just give our – what do you think about giving our picks against these win totals just real quick? Not, not maybe yeah, for yeah. the total official record, but just – yeah, well, I'll what be keeping track of them right here as well. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> so it'd be fun to check up on these at the end of the season as well and just kind of yeah. see how stuff has changed. But I'm going over on the Ducks with nine. I think nine is pretty low. I mean, that implies we have three losses. And while I, I can see three potential losses, I don't see three likely losses. Well, I think the reason that I go over especially is I think I think this number could easily be nine and a half. Yeah. Um, and... So that cushion of having the nine there, um, you know, I think is great because I just don't think we're going eight and four probably. Mm -hmm. um, could it push easily? I think it could. I think nine and three is a totally realistic thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really the question you're asking me is, is it more likely if we go 10 and two or eight yep. and four? And I think it's much more likely we go 10 and two. Um, yep. It's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, uh, but I think, you know, it's not a totally unfair number either. I think nine is nine is there, and, and especially just that Ohio State game. Yeah. You know, I think especially the books probably look at that as, as a pretty, uh, you know, not a given loss for Oregon, but they're penciling it in a little bit as, as one of those three losses that they get. Um, yeah, so I'd go Ducks. Moving on to Washington, uh, nine and 12. Nine and three, they're saying they'll go. That one's really tough for me. You know, I think, like I said, this schedule shakes out really well for Washington. I kind of like them over Michigan in week two. Um, but at the same time, I, I just don't feel like I can trust Washington. Uh, yeah. The, it just, they always seem to drop a game to Cal that they shouldn't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, Cal has been their thorn in their side. I, I can't remember. Did they play Cal last year? I think Cal's beaten them like a few years in a row now. I'll have to I'll look that up while you're speaking. But uh, if they, I think they only played. I don't know if they played last year because I think they only played one in con or 
They lost to Stanford. I don't know. You can look it up. Either way, um, last year was weird. But but I remember Washington, like especially back in 2019, you know, going into that season, there was so uh, – Twitter was so heated about who would come out of the North, and Washington was still closer to their to their playoff run, and Chris Peterson was still there. Mm-hmm. And they just started dropping games. And yeah. and when we beat them, the dis- the division was completely decided. Like, yep. I think it was, like, mathematically settled at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think technically and, Stanford could have caught us, but it's, you know, I Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that is just, like, leaves a weird suspicion in my mind. I think I don't totally trust Jimmy Lake, you know, as a coach. Um just knowing how to do all the program things and making sure your team's mindset is right. I mean, schematically he's good, but you know, sometimes you just like need to know how to motivate the team to play Cal and UCLA or travel to Stanford or something. And if you mess it up, then it goes the wrong way. But long story short, I think nine is still not a, not, I know, a bad number for them because yeah. um, the schedule's just so favorable. I, you know, I probably individually, if you had to just straight even odds, uh, you know, for every game on their schedule, I pick them in 11 out of 12, I think probably, I think I only pick Oregon against them. I mean, I'm kind so, of counting Oregon and Michigan in my head as like half losses. That's kind of how I, right. I make my predictions with totals sometimes. Um, like you'll, you'll get one loss out of those two games. You could get two losses out of those two games, even if they lose those two games, like who else? I mean, they're going to be favored in every other one. Right. Um, by the way, Cal has only beaten UW the last two meetings. Uh, they didn't play last year that, Mm, (laughs) and these, this will be fun memories. Um, in 2018, it was that 12 to 10 game. Uh, that took like five hours or like seven hours or some crazy thing because there was like a storm in uh, Berkeley or no that was the 2019 yeah game that was where a, they lost 20 to 19 yeah the fans all left yeah I, I, yeah 12 oh, to 10 was in Berkeley I think I might not have even I think I might have fell asleep before the end of that because of course I'm two hours later yeah, yeah. Um, in New Orleans so I was like yeah, you know, it probably dragged on until 4 a.m. my time or something. I, like, fell asleep. I woke up the next morning. I was like, oh, my God, let me rewatch this. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it was definitely, like, 2 a.m. or something on the West Coast when it finished. Because um, yeah. it was, like, a Pac-12 after dark game to start. Right. And then it got <laughs> delayed. And it was, like, there was a question of whether or not it would even finish or something. But, yeah, so that's kind of hilarious. Um, shoot, maybe they drop it to Cal again. Uh, again, they go. They play at Stanford, but other than that, I mean, that's their hardest road conference road game. I mean, Oregon Would State, it, Arizona, Stanford, Colorado. Yeah. All those. Um, you want to go through the rest of these too, or do you want to just stick with the powers more? Uh, let's just let's just do some totals for these. So we're both going over on Washington. I, I gather. Over Washington, over Oregon. I think for yeah. me so far. Yeah. Um, so Stanford, they're wow, their win total is down to four. Um, I'm taking the over on that, just looking at their schedule. Uh, they'll be underdogs against USC, probably UCLA, obviously Oregon. Um, all their other conference games are kind of toss-ups. They do have Notre Dame at the end of the year, so that's a loss. But I mean, I think they can get. I think you can get four wins out of uh, Kansas oh, yeah. State and Vandy as your non-con. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so you're taking over as well. Over. I guess I guess you gotta get five. I gotta find some unders here, but yeah, me too. Well, I actually have an under coming up next, and that's Washington State at six. Uh, I do not think this is a bull team. Um, Nick Rolovich will be. This is just his second year, right? Mm-hmm. Same timeline as Lake, so I mean, different than Leach, uh, but it won't necessarily look like it uh, if you're just kind of a more casual fan. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of passing the ball, lots of classic Wazoo. Um, at least from what we're familiar with lately, uh, their non-con is pretty favorable. They play Utah state, Portland state, uh, they got BYU. That's kind of tough, but it's at home. So, I mean, I don't know. They do have USC and Utah as their, uh, yeah, I, South yeah. teams, but yeah, that's tough. I, do, uh, I just Arizona don't the state. Oh, geez. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think they get, uh, you know, they probably get the Arizona game. Um, or, yeah, did they have Arizona? Yeah, yeah they yeah. got them at the end of the year. Um, and, you know, they get one of Oregon State and Cal probably. Stanford, maybe Stanford. Like, yeah. like but, I, I mean, getting all the way to six Stanford. there. That's a stretch. Yeah, that's, that's a stretch. stretch. Like, they could lose to BYU. Yeah, oh, yeah. They could lose to... I mean, they're going to lose to Washington because uh, yeah. they always do. Um, yeah, Jesus. I think Arizona State is interesting, and we'll touch on them more when we get to the South, but I think with the recent events that have been uncovered, that that's a potentially winnable game for Wazoo. But right. Again, also it's the Pac-12, so it will eat itself alive, um, and there will be just attrition week after week. That's just how it works. Right. Um, Cal is also a six as we work our way through the North. And honestly, in looking at this schedule, I kind of think it's a push. Uh, they got Nevada, TCU, and Sacramento State as their non-cons. TCU's a road game in week two. That'll be a fun one to watch. Um, kind of, or yeah. at least to keep an eye on in the background of these other important week two games. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I don't, think, I don't know if I see more than six. Yeah. I think I'm under for there. You know, maybe they get to six and six, but uh. I could see five and seven more than I see seven and five, you know. So yeah, exactly. I'm I'm gonna stay away from this one. I'm gonna. I think six is a solid number for them in looking at yeah. Cal. Um, they got a tough kind of tough downslope at the end. Their bye week is kind of early. It's the same week as Oregon's, uh, but then they immediately have to play us. Then like Colorado, Oregon State, Arizona aren't tough. But then you go UCLA, Stan- or sorry, USC, Stanford, UCLA to end the year. That's that's pretty tough three game stretch right there with the last two yeah. road games. So yeah, I'm six leaning under on Cal. Um, okay, now the Beavers, uh, the beloved Beavers, little brother. Uh, very interesting opening to the year for them. They have Purdue uh, away, right. so they're I mean they're not quite. Uh, touchdown underdogs in that one but that will also be an interesting kind of lower level Pac-12 perception game well Uh, and you just the thing about these games is is they're just more important than people realize sometimes because you know let's say Oregon State beats Washington for argument's sake that looks really bad if they lost to Purdue and Purdue's at the bottom of the Big Ten or something I would say the same with Hawaii yeah right yeah so it just is like the you know it's it's all right to lose those games if Oregon State's just bad, 
But when Oregon State starts playing the powers of the conference close and they lost early to some of the worst teams in other conferences um, or to a group of five teams, that just starts to make the conference look really bad. And like we know, that's just the nature of the Pac-12. Yeah. It, it always is close games down the stretch against teams that you think you should beat by more, it feels like. It, just weird stuff happens, you know, in Pac-12 after dark and all of that. Yeah, and OSU's kind of got a tough conference schedule, too, uh, that opens in the Coliseum against USC. Uh, they're, they avoid, <laughs> like, the teams they don't play from the South are Arizona and UCLA, so that didn't fall very well for them. Um, obviously, they just... play at Oregon as well, like yeah. at Wazoo. Though, and honestly, with um, something that we haven't mentioned yet is that home field will be a much bigger factor than it was last year, obviously. But it could be even a bigger factor than in years past, just because it's people coming right. back. I mean, personally, I expect Dotson to be a lot louder, um, right? This year, you know, just because it's you know the first time we've had fans in a while. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm having a tough time finding five wins on here for for the little beeves. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I just wish I could get four there. You know, like I going into this, you know, before you look at the line, like I. Personally, I don't have a ton of hatred for the Beavs. Uh, I no. hope that they get back to, to being a little better and, and yeah, maybe a fringe top 25 team. So it's like going into this exercise, I, I kind of want to say the over for them. You know, that's like what I'm rooting for. But four and a half is just a little too much for me. I think that they're four mm-hmm. and eight too many times for me yeah. to go over. You know, if, if it yeah. was a flat four, I could convince myself that they're they get to five more than they sit at three, but yeah. I think four is reasonable expectation for Oregon state this year, considering their trajectory under Jonathan Smith. I Mm -hmm. think five, five is really good for them, you know? Yeah. I think their, their ultimate goal this year. And again, I, I don't, I haven't like discussed this with anyone really, but I think if you're the I was Beavers, just talking to Jonathan Smith earlier today. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, their goal is bowl game. I think it's pretty obvious. Right. Um, based on I mean, that. and that's like a big celebration goal too. Like that yeah, would be yeah. huge for them. And I hope they get there. Yeah, me know? too. Cause again, everything's more fun when the Beavers are, are good. Um, okay. That does it for the North. Um, I don't think we really need to give our picks for who we think will win the North. Um, those should be pretty obvious by now. Uh, so you ready to move on to the South? Yep. Let's do it. Uh, USC sitting at eight and a half, which is kind of interesting that their total is lower than Oregon and Washington. But I think a lot of that has to do just with the fact that, I mean, this, this could be Clay Helton's last year. And I know we say that every year, but I mean, the man's got one foot out the door at this rate. The fan base hasn't trusted in him in, like, what, four years, probably? Mm-hmm. Um, they play at Notre Dame this year in the middle of their season. That could just be a backbreaker. Uh, yeah, obviously, they avoid, they avoid Oregon and Washington in the crossover, so that's good for them. Uh, yeah. Finish with BYU, so mm, I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of looking, I'm kind of looking over for USC, I think. I think they can get to nine. I think, yeah, I think this is an over for sure. I think this number should be bumped up to nine is in my mind. Um, just cause I, I can see 10 and two on here. Uh, yeah. 
and you know when I see that a game and a half over pretty easily um I mean really you know outside of that Notre Dame game they're favored in in every game they play probably um you know I mean maybe Arizona State away yeah they're not maybe Callaway but probably not like and obviously I mean that Arizona State thing is is something that's hanging over the head of all this because um yeah. You know, I think all everyone listening knows, but they're in serious hot water with these allegations from the NCAA. Personally, I think there's a good chance Herm is let go. Uh, I think there's a good chance that their AD is fired even because he has a relationship with Herm as a, his old agent, I think, predating this. Yep, yep. So it goes deep. Now, you know, what does that uncertainty do to this schedule? Uh, do we find that out in the next month or month and a half before the season starts? Probably not because the NCAA is just the most disorganized bureaucratic <laughs> mess of an organization ever. Um, but I just, I, it's so unpredictable to know how that works. I mean, what is, what is it like to be in a locker room where, uh, you don't know if your coach is sticking around next year, you know, or if he could get sacked yeah. mid year or something. I can't imagine it. You win more games because <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Um, that being said, they do still have talent. I mean, Herm uh, and his assistant, who I cannot remember his name, the life of me, another NFL guy, uh, Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce, thank you. Um, they've done a pretty good job on the recruiting trail recently. Obviously, it takes a while for that kind of stuff to translate. But from what I can remember, I don't remember seeing a lot of like departures uh, even after the allegations um, during that July 1st transfer deadline. So, I mean, they do they still have Jaden Daniels, right? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. still got Jaden Daniels. So, I mean, shoot, I kind of think, and I mean, we sort of skipped over USC, but I think we were done with them. Like, Arizona State's got a higher win total than USC, and they are – they have the same odds right now to win the conference and they're basically even to win the division. So I don't know. I'm I've had USC as kind of my, my pick to win the South in my head, but I'm, I might have to shift it to Arizona state. I mean, if you're talking about quarterback play in this conference or, in, you know, in the sport in general, just like, you know, the fact that so much has trended towards best quarterback wins games a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaden Daniels has an argument for being the best quarterback in the conference. I was just thinking that. I mean, it's him and Slovis are one and two, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, Ducks fans are hoping that Anthony Brown breaks out, but that's not a sure thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I probably would throw uh, Daniels there as, as the top guy right now. We didn't get to see a lot out of him last year because of Arizona State's schedule, but yeah. we saw some good things in 2019. Um, right. Uh, but mostly just the, the cloud of it all, like, I'm just too, I mean, like I said, you know, when I see a, when I easily can see a win total, that's a game and a half higher than the number, I tend to go over with, with Arizona state, I can see seven and five happen and the, their season just derail so quickly. You know, if, if this was a normal year without the investigation, then I would be seriously considering picking them to win the South because, you know, USC just can be kind of fraudulent at times. Um, but, 
given given the fact that I think this could implode so much, and also that I just don't see what's the ceiling on Arizona State. Yeah. You know, are they experienced enough to get to eleven and one? I don't. I don't no, really think so. Not eleven and one. They yeah. they are good enough, as we said, to win the South. But they, yeah, I mean, I, they what does get, winning the South mean, right? <laughs> like, you could if, win the South and go eight and four at the end of the day. <laughs> right. If they handle everything's well, everything well, maybe they get ten and two. I think that's best case scenario. And with a win total at nine, that's just yeah, I, you got to go under there. I think you've talked me down from taking the over on nine of Arizona State. Um, I'll go under Let's with go. you. Their non-con, UNLV at home should be a win. Southern Utah doesn't matter. Uh, BYU away, that's that's a, I think that's actually a really good um, benchmark for them. BYU is a great team last year. Obviously, they don't have Zach Wilson coming back. But if Arizona State wins that game convincingly uh, in Provo, then they kind of got a nice run at things. Um, after that, it's Colorado, UCLA, Stanford, Utah. They avoid Oregon in the crossover. Um, ten, weeks 10 and 11 are the real big ones for them. They got USC at home, and then they go to Seattle the next week. But other than that, I mean, they should be beating the likes of Arizona, obviously, Oregon State, uh, Wazoo. Like, those are all winnable games for them. So Yeah. I think what you mentioned about those crossover games is so huge, too. Um, I think, you know, people who aren't in the conference don't look at those things maybe as closely. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this, you know, hopefully this is a year where I, you know, I think in past years I felt like the PAC 12 perception is deflated a bit just because we beat up on each other too much and avoiding those games, you know, maybe the PAC 12 gets a little bit of a boost. Uh, Maybe it's, maybe it's not totally warranted, um, but they get the boost because we don't have to play, uh arizona state or usc um and i'm not going to complain about that i you know (laughs) yeah me neither (laughs) if we had if we had two solid uh top 25 teams competing closely for each division that would be awesome you Mm -hmm. know yeah totally um and and we should mention next unless you have something else to go with utah is is third in the south and uh you know we talked about how the north was yeah, the odds makers see it as a two div- two team race for the division. The South really looks like a three team race. Yep. Um, Utah's a little bit on the outside, plus two seventy five to win the division, but that's a that's a lot closer than than they're the giving two. any right. Exactly. <laughs> UCLA well, and Colorado both at plus sixteen hundred. So, so there's another one. It, it you know if you can grab from this 12 team conference and we can grab those five as top 25 teams, that's huge. Yeah, um, definitely. I think that's got to be a goal going into the season if you're the conference or you know something to think about. So Utah win total eight and a half. Um, what yeah. do you think there? I mean, in looking at their schedule right now, they play. They avoid Washington in the crossover. Their non-con is kind of tough, though. Like, Weber State, no, but at BYU and then at San Diego State, I'm not super in tune with what SDSU is doing, but they've beaten Pac-12 programs in the past. Right. um, Even mid-tier ones. So, I mean, I think those both should be wins, but I'm kind of marking that as like like a half loss in my head. Um, yeah. I think between those two games and at USC, I think you can count one loss between those three games. Um, Oregon should be a loss. 
but um, yeah, you know, if that's the, if, still only like two. And so. and Oregon is, you know, they could win the game against Oregon. I mean, I'm picking, you know, I'm I'm rooting for the Ducks, obviously, and I'm I'm picking them, but they could win that. And I think if Utah beats Oregon, they probably have the over. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge shift in the game in the in this number here. Eight and a half is a pretty good number to me, though. Um, it's tough for me to give a decisive pick either way. You know, I think it's I it's think... just I, I I can't tell if uh, if Kyle Winningham was kind of just ahead of the curve and just had his you know stuff together in the South more than any of the other programs for a long time, mm-hmm. and th- and just because he knew how to run a functioning program, they achieved well, and that maybe finally those other teams are catching up, and it's just going to be harder for him to rattle off those nine and ten win seasons, um, and take advantage of the dysfunction of USC and, and Arizona state. Um, or if, or if USC and Arizona state are really as dysfunctional as ever still, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, and he's just going to do the same thing again. And, and like you said, I mean, maybe they have one loss heading into that Oregon game. Yeah. I mean, their first four, uh, the non-cons I mentioned, and then Wazoo at home, they could very easily start the season four and Oh, um, they have USC and Arizona State after their week five bye. I think that's a huge um, two-game stretch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it's also worth mentioning that they have the earliest bye week um, out of basically any team in the Pac-12. We'll get to UCLA in just a second. Um, they have basically the earliest bye out of anyone. I mean, they don't get a break uh, for – I mean, they'll, they'll play six straight games before playing Oregon – um, and then Colorado on a Friday night that, you know, something crazy could happen there. I'm still, I'm still over on Utah though. I think eight and eight, sorry. I think 8.5 is a little bit low. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I'd, I'd take the over on that. God, that feels really tough to say with also taking USC's, but I think they can find nine wins. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying away. I think, um, I'm, yeah, I probably lean under as I talk about this, Ugh. I don't know. I don't know. It's so close. It's so close. Put, I don't I'll feel like I lowercase U in my in my column for you. <laughs> yeah, I just don't feel I I don't feel like I have a great handle on what Utah is going to be this year either. Yeah, uh, as part of it, you know, I, it's a lot of faith in in Kyle Winningham. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So if you had to pick one of those three USC, Arizona State, Utah to win the South, who are you putting your money on? It's got to be USC. I mean, I don't feel great about it, but well, well, factoring in the odds, you're saying, or no? I mean, no, just straight just, up. Just like straight my up. my my pick is going to be USC right now. I I think it's got to be. I you know, I mean, I'd almost like for value. Like I'm looking at that UCLA plus sixteen hundred. Yeah, pretty good like, value. <laughs> like throw something on that because I think it could happen. Um, yeah, especially when you have such a defining game week one. Uh, although, I mean, let, let's get into UCLA a little bit. Uh, UCLA is one of the few teams that actually has a week zero matchup this year. Right. Um, it's against Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that, you know, that should be a winnable – that's a winnable game for sure. Um, I don't remember – I'm pretty sure that's a home game for them as well, right? Mm, 
Yeah, um, I, I messed think it so. up on the I, I would guess so. sheet I sent you, but um, it, it, that should be right. Um, so I mean, again, we talked about that use that LSU game a little bit. If they win, I think <laughs> this is one of the few cases where you can say like, if they win this game, then the overs lock. Um, I, which, by the way, that we're looking at seven right here is UCLA's total. Um, I think if they win that LSU game, I think they're a lock for an over. Or maybe not even a lock. No, I, I think it's safe to call them a lock for the over. They do have Washington and Oregon in the crossover. Um, Honestly, Fresno State is, like, pretty good, too. Like, I, I don't think they're good enough to beat Oregon. But I'm not, you know, putting my house on UCLA. Beating Fresno. Yeah. Beating Fresno. Like, like UCLA wins a lot more times than not. But, you know. It's not Stanford a sure thing. Stanford on the road, Utah on the road, USC on the road. I'm going under. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chip. I'm, I'm going under. Just I'm based go- on I'm... those three road games right there? I don't know. Ugh, I'm going over. Seven, I'm going over. Okay. Screw it. Nice. I'm, I'm riding with Chip. Here. Yeah. I'm riding with Chip all the way. And like you said, that's probably the best value bet out of anybody in this conference. Um, that's 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 the biggest thing, I think, you know, is if it clicks for UCLA, it could it could go right. You know, it could go really yeah. right if it, if it clicks. Yeah. Um, so then uh, let's move on to Colorado. Uh, they have the same odds as UCLA to win the South. Uh, again, kind of that second tier of South teams. Uh, we'll get to Arizona in a second. They're nowhere close. Um, Colorado, we mentioned that game against AM. You kind of have to count that as a loss when, when dialing these up. Um, they don't have a super favorable schedule. Uh, they do play both Oregon and Washington. They got uh, UCLA, Cal, and Arizona State as road games. They also have a very interesting week three matchup against Minnesota. Um, so yeah. for this total of four and a half for Colorado, I think I got to go under. I think I like the over, honestly. Okay, all right. I, I'm going to ride with it. I think – I actually think I kind of trust Colorado to beat to the Arizonas and even, like, the Cals and Oregon States, you know. That's the thing know. is they're on the same level as those other teams. Like, I think I think the two – game they have two, like, call it a win right now games, and those are Northern Colorado and Arizona. Um, yeah. Other than that, though, or yeah. uh, OSU at home, like maybe, but I don't know. I'm having a tough time finding finding five wins for Colorado on this schedule. Yeah. Although I will looking... say, I well, I guess this doesn't help their case, but I will say I do think Arizona will win one conference game out of nowhere. Um, actually, I don't know, man. It just seems <laughs> like they will. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, they're the worst. Honestly, I feel like they're the worst. Like team we've seen in this conference in a while and that's saying a lot they just beat washington on friday night <laughs> dude i'd be so down for that i, I cannot <laughs> express how awesome that would be um, um yeah i think I'm, I'm i was looking at the fpi real quick and they have colorado's projected 5.3 wins which i was like hmm what like what are they seeing there uh hmm. that i'm not um Again, Colorado did have a decent season last year. Uh, they went four and one. If I that's recall, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, they went they, four and one. I think their only loss was to like San Diego State, actually. But, but it was weird, you know. So because they got destroyed by Texas. 
in yeah. the Alamo Bowl. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't want to base too much off of it, you know? Yeah. Um, it was because it was just a weird year. In the same yeah. way that a lot of teams are saying, like, oh, last year, you know, it was super crazy. You can't, you know, take conclusions from it. Colorado secretly want to say the opposite. They secretly are like, hey, we did pretty good last year. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think they, they didn't get a shot to play USC. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Tough, tough yeah. call. I don't think they get to five, though. Yeah. Um, but you're taking over on Colorado. Is that right? On four and a half? Under, under case over. Okay. Okay. A little low. <laughs> little low over. Uh, finally, Arizona. Uh, they're set at two and a half wins. Their non-con is BYU, who they are currently double-digit underdogs to in week one. Uh, they then have San Diego State, who they will probably be underdogs to as well. Yeah, um, do you have a line on that by chance? Uh, I do not in front of me, um, but you should look that up. That'd be pretty I'm gonna interesting. I'm going to try to look that up, yeah. Northern Arizona is their other game, which that week three, you, you got to win that game. But other than that, I mean, like I said, it's, it's going to be real tough to find another win on here. Maybe they get one against another Pac-12 team, but I am not confident that uh, Arizona will get the three wins. Yeah. 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 I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I'm the same way. I'm trying to find this line, but I don't know if I'll find it. Yeah. I don't, you might have to wait till week one to find that. Um, do you want to move on while we wait or should we just, uh, well, let, let's think about the pack 12 in, in macro real quick. Um, yeah, I don't as, really have a line on it. As, I do have, I do have, um, FPI is saying 55, or 56% San Diego State to win, though, Yikes. or whatever that's worth. Yikes. It's basically, they're looking like a toss-up. But even so, I mean, usually in these games, like, the smaller school is going to try a little harder. So, I don't know. Um, or not smaller school, whatever. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm probably, I think I'm staying away from that two and a half, though, honestly. Okay. Because, yeah, I'm just, like, like you said, like, if they survive, like, one of those first two games, like BYU or San Diego State, I think they could win. Then they get the Northern Arizona win. Yeah, they and could get they, it in their first three games, potentially. Yeah, I, they could get it in their first three games. But also, like, I'm just saying, let's say they go two wins there. And then, like you said, I'm not going to predict them to win any of those games individually. But in those next nine weeks... You know, yeah. one of those they got to win. Maybe maybe it's the Arizona State game, honestly. <laughs> oh, boy. Wouldn't that be entertaining? That's at I, ASU, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't – didn't Arizona State beat them like 77-7 to 7 last year yeah, or something? Yeah, exactly. It was it, – they got the snot beaten out of them. Uh, for the, I guess we should yeah. give a general update on Arizona. Um, Kevin Sumlin got fired because of that loss, uh, and they replaced him with Jed Fish. Fish who, um, <laughs> from what I've heard nationally, he's not really, uh, people aren't too bullish on that hire. Um, who knows, maybe it'll surprise some people, but I don't know. When I heard that name, I had to Google it, so that's how you know it's not a marquee hire. Um, yeah. I couldn't even yeah, tell you I, where he came from now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Maybe they are just that much worse than, than everyone else. I think of the brand name, I mean, you know, Oregon... Oregon played Arizona in a Pac-12 title game 
so six weird years to think ago about. or something. Uh, they uh, beat so, us that season. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, oh, I remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I literally forget about that sometimes, like, because it didn't really feel as bad as it, or it it wasn't as bad as it felt at the time. Was it Tony Washington who took yes, the bow? Yes. Yeah, midfield. That was ridiculous. Well, well, you forget about it because that it loss was irrelevant. Like we still made the playoff and we're in the exact same position. Yeah. Um, but okay. Yeah. Macro Pack Twelve. Um, do you want to just give our like? I'm going Oregon over USC. I'm going you know? Oregon over. I think I said Arizona State would win it, but then I changed that. You talked me down. Yeah, I'll go Oregon over USC. Maybe Utah, but probably USC. Yeah, o- but, Oregon over USC. Yeah, in the top. but like we said, value. You know, I'll take UCLA there. Um, and in the North, I don't really know. I think Oregon. Well, I mean, we can just talk about it for a second. Like, I, I, I it's not that I hate the rest of those teams, but, um. Who else out of Oregon and Washington could really get there yeah. even? Yeah. Like so just assuming... picturing the logo on the, you know. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the Pac-12 championship game. Um, Stanford, maybe, just because they have the best coach in Shaw. Uh, definitely not Oregon State. I'm sorry. I don't feel comfortable putting the Beavers in Pac-12 title. Dude, how weird would it be to see Oregon State logo on a Pac-12 title game? Yeah. Um, especially with the new one with that weird-looking crying beaver. Right. Um, yeah, I think if Oregon and Washington both crap the bed, I could see Stanford doing it. Um, maybe Wazoo and Rolovich figure it out, but I would say Stanford. I don't think Oregon has like a terribly low floor though. Oh no. The other no. Thing. We'll make a bowl yeah. game for sure. I mean, we'll go right. eight wins at least, I think. But. Right. I mean, like even like in the weird year last year was with our departures and stuff, like we had to mess up pretty bad to lose to Oregon State and Cal. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, if we play our, if we play like 75%, you know, like, I feel like we're beating those teams probably. Like the talent levels just getting to a point, the talent gaps just getting yeah. to a point, I think. And now that we have a full roster that wasn't, depleted by covid and i also like the deruder hire i think that's going to help us like i you know when you start to make those when you start to turn those oregon state and cal games into from like pencil dubs into pen w's you know yeah that's yeah. like a big thing yeah. um and same with with other games but i don't know you know i mean maybe someone else looking from the outside would just say like y'all lost to Oregon State and Cal last year. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really have a comeback to that, I guess. Yeah, me neither. Um, but, I, but I also can't – I also like Washington winning it. I don't know. I, I mean, they could be really good. I think – I do think some fans aren't aware of that. Like after I, – I don't know. 2019 was such a letdown for Washington. Yeah. And then they did pretty well. Um last year kind of i don't know i mean they kind of won some good games but they also like didn't play anyone in conference except for it was uh they lost to cal and beat um stanford stanford or no they didn't play cal last year they lost I don't oh, know. oh yeah 
they lost to Stanford and they beat someone else. Um, Oregon State, I think they beat. Yeah, but they should um, have lost that game. What right. I'll say about the UW-Oregon thing real quick is that um, the perceptions coming out of Week 2 will basically shape the perceptions of what happens in Week 10. Uh, assuming there's no stumbles between for either of those teams between Week 2 and Week 10, which, again, if you look at the schedules, there shouldn't be. Um, like, say Oregon loses to Ohio State like at about what the spread is, right? Like 10 or so. And then say UW loses close to Michigan or maybe even beats Michigan, right? Close. It's a close game. UW's going to be ranked ahead of us going into that game in Seattle, and they're going to be favored over us. Um, yeah. That's crazy to again, think Again, it, it kind of depends how, again, it depends how they play against Pac-12 teams, or at least I want to think it does. But let's be honest with ourselves. The way voters work, like, it really doesn't matter how we, how, like, as long as they come out right. W's, like, the voters will, I mean, the voters aren't watching the games. It's up, they're too late. So <laughs> they won't even I mean, care. <laughs> like, and, and let's be honest, like, go back to 2019, you know, it's two different exactly teams. What I'm of. Yeah. But Washington, I mean, they looked good in that game against us. Like, yeah, it looked like did. we, it looked like, they they might have won that game more times than we did with the hole we we came out of starting the second half like we were in a bad spot and we battled back and credit to us for that but you know they are not that far removed from being uh you know a cont- annual contender and favorite even for the north yeah um and this is also their year, kind of. I mean, Washington, honestly, they didn't recruit. They haven't recruited well under Lake, but they had some good classes under Peterson. There were mm-hmm. years, um, in I think in when Kayvon came in, you know, kind of the junior class that is holding us together. They had a good year that year too. I think they were in, you know, between ten and fifteen in the recruiting rankings. So they have some talent there. Um, and I think that that's part of the reason this is so important for Washington is Jimmy Lake. I think if he doesn't do it this year, he's going to fall behind big time. He yeah. needs a year to validate his program to recruit off of, because if they don't do it now, the talent gap's going to just grow between them and Oregon. And then they're just not going to have the, the soldiers to go out and, and win the game. And if they can't do that, it's going to be tough to, to bring it back really yep i agree um whereas i i think oregon could you know if oregon had a down year this year they could still recover because of the recruiting we've already built up true true i can't yeah exactly i can't necessarily say the same for washington um this is a big year for lake i think like if washington's being real with themselves if they don't win the north this year or if they at least like like if if they lose badly against Oregon and don't win the north i mean they got to find a different coach like i don't think lake is the guy um but well, my thing i i feel like it's just a bad situation though too like whenever you change coaches there's going to be some recruiting instability you know and also the peterson mentality only worked i felt like because it was chris peterson yeah, and he just yeah. bought brought the cachet with it you know he brought enough of it to just like have the four stars say oh well it's chris peterson like i'll buy into this thing um 
I think Lake could be a good coach, honestly. I yeah, really do. Yeah. If if you gave him the Arizona program and said, you have, here's a five-year contract, no pressure, you're expected to win two games this year, you know, like, mm-hmm. and he could build that program up. I think he could be a good coach. But the Washington scenario, just putting someone at the helm of this declining ship, like, um, right as Oregon is rising, doesn't really know how to recruit at an elite level. You know, of course he's falling behind early in his time there. And I think you're right. You know, I don't think he's going to be able to turn it back around. So in a way they probably do have to switch it, but I feel a little bad for Lake because I don't feel like it's all his fault. You know, it's not the same as the chip Kelly Helfer situation. I mean, I saw the comparison on Twitter earlier. I, I, like Helfrich a lot, he did better things at Oregon than than um, than Lake has done at Washington so far. Obviously, like if you win a playoff game by forty points, I'm not going to sit there and call you like uh, somebody who doesn't know football. Yeah, but but he didn't know how to run a program. Really, that was clear. Um, but he. You know, he was given a much better situation than Lake was at oh, yeah. Washington. Oh, yeah, handed a Heisman winner. Exactly, <laughs> handed a Heisman winner, set up for success, and he was able to plug it in and, and go for it. Lake was put in a more difficult position than people realized, I think, because it was harder to replicate the, um, the Peterson model, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, also, Oregon was a bigger threat than anyone in the North was. Oregon was a better, bigger threat to Washington in 2019 than anyone in the North was to Oregon back in 2013. So, the except last, for Stanford, I guess. But well, yeah, the last we thing want I want to say about this comparison is that we were in a similar situation about 19, 20 years ago, actually, um, where UW kind of was like, you know, obviously there weren't divisions, but if there were, UW kind of would have been the power in the North. Um, and then, you know, Bilotti comes through, Harrington comes through, Oregon starts shifting the power balance. UW went, like, not just down to a mid-tier uh, Pac-10 program. They went to the freaking basement, man. I mean, yeah. what, what was it, 2007, 2008, where they went 0-12 with Whittingham? Right. Or Willingham, whatever his name right. is. Like, they were terrible. And again, that is because they did what I'm kind of suggesting, which is, like, gambling on a new guy. Um so I don't, I don't know if we really need to spend any more time on this, but it'll be a yeah. very interesting thing to keep an eye on for, I mean, obviously for Washington fans, but for Oregon fans as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's safe to say we both think Oregon's going to win the conference. Um, let's see. Uh, let's, let's go national here. Um, we don't, obviously, we're not going to dive into every program like we just did for the pack. Uh, especially considering we're like 90 minutes into this thing already. But, um, <laughs> but hey, I mean, if you're listening to us by now, uh, it doesn't mean you're looking for brevity. So um, let's, let's go to the SEC. Uh, I want to start in the East because I feel like it's a little easier to predict, although the, the odds say it's just as easy um, than the West. Uh, Georgia is the pretty heavy favorite to win the East. Uh, really the only other realistic challenger is Florida. Obviously Florida won it last year because Georgia was starting Stetson Bennett for half of their games. Um, are you laughing at me right now? Uh, no. <laughs> um, let's, let's just get into it, man. Uh, 
Georgia is plus 600 to win the national title, which is which only trails uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Bama. That's it. So they're they're kind of number four in Vegas's eyes to win the title. For reference, Oklahoma's plus 800 at fifth. Dude, I'm. I think it goes without saying I'm very high on the Georgia Bulldogs this year. Um, obviously, that that first game against Clemson is a huge, huge marker. Um, Auburn away will be an interesting game, and obviously, the uh, world's largest cocktail party is always interesting against Florida. Other than that, I I mean, I think those three games, Clemson, Auburn, and Florida, are the only potential losses. Like realistically, I mean, their their in conference schedule is pretty cake uh i got tennessee mizzou kentucky arkansas vandy south carolina those are all wins right mm-hmm. they got jt daniels coming back well what well i, I will just say georgia <laughs> loses some of those sometimes I, I, they a, lost one of those once <laughs> i think what's the deal um hasn't kirby lost to a team he was favored against every uh, year. I don't uh, know. I haven't heard that, but it's probably. I think true. that's a statistic. I mean, it's definitely like, true from last year. It's definitely true from two years ago, losing to South Carolina. Yeah, uh, that's just what I'm. That's the okay. only thing with them is just. But you know, <laughs> also, what is the recipe to get upset in college football? You put up 14 points, like. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happens I, I when you see play JT Stetson Daniels Bennett. Putting up 14 points. Right. Right. So that's <laughs> so that's why it's a different year. And to put a bigger, to put a finer point on your your thing about them having, what was it, the fourth best odds? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's one thing. The bigger thing to me is that they are in that group of five, like you said, with Oklahoma, that are the five teams with a realistic chance to win it all is how it feels like you know next closest is a and m i think at 2005 plus 2500 um yeah i mean even then we'll get to a and m right but a and m winning a and m's host hoisting the national title trophy at the end of the year hopefully this soundbite isn't isn't clipped you know and repeated but (laughs) i don't really see it um <laughs> I think we need to go I need to go back and do this. I should have done this before the episode, but I want to know what LSU's preseason favorite odds were um at the beginning of that year uh to uh, 2019 because they're in a very similar situation to pretty much the rest of the non-favorites that we'll talk about in terms of mm-hmm. they're they have the, they're in the blue chip ratio meaning for those who don't know that uh meaning like more than half of your roster is made up of four and five star recruits. Um, and no team has ever, no team without that has ever won a title. Oregon came close twice, but what have you. Um, uh, like those are all sort of like teams that, you know, if they find, if they end up with a breakout star or multiple breakout stars on their team could potentially win a national title. Um, but I think, I think, Oregon's in that list of in that next list of if if this is really a year of parity and and those those are the five favorites Alabama Ohio State Clemson Oklahoma and Georgia if it's really a year of parity those teams fall off a little 
the next tier, which is a lot of those plus 3000 plus 5000. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's Oregon, it's Florida, it's A&M and LSU. Michigan, um, I would put in there, Penn, honestly. Yeah, Penn Texas, State, Penn Wisconsin, State. maybe. The big teams really who, who Iowa might be State, down Texas. Recently, but, um, yeah. They have the recruiting power to – they have the talent to get it done. Right. Potentially. NC, NC State, obviously. Miami, Notre Dame. <laughs> right. Dude, you're laughing at Miami as if they don't have better odds than us. No, I'm laughing at NC State mostly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty – I don't really know <laughs> um, that one, but. Yeah, no, my, uh, d- yeah, but, but anyways, um, back to Georgia. Uh, I think you're right. I, I like Georgia's chances too. I like JNT Daniels. I think that he's going to have a breakout year. Um, and yeah, I think, but again, I mean, that 10 and a half is tough when you have yeah. a Clemson and a Florida game that are that close. Uh, and then, I mean, maybe you'd argue on Florida, but the Clemson games, that's a big one. Um, the You know, Florida, I think there's maybe a loss between those two if I'm kind of trying to do that. Cle- between Clemson that, and Florida? Yeah. Um, I don't think and you the, can discount Auburn either. Right, right. The Auburn one's big. And, yeah, I mean, certainly I think between Clemson, Florida, Auburn, if you're just doing the big circle one loss here, there's probably one there. And then that just – Georgia's old DNA is that they would drop one other game, you know. But those were in the years when, like, you could afford to drop a game. Suppose they dropping they drop that first game to Clemson. They know they have to be perfect going down the stretch. Yeah. Well, actually, dude, that's another. I mean, we actually kind of led with this at the beginning. Like, they could lose two and still get in the playoff if they win the SEC title game. Mm-hmm. Or if their second loss is in the SEC title game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So if they lose if they lose close to Clemson. I mean, ideally though, they would have like started Stetson Bennett and lost to like Clemson and South Carolina again, and then you bring JT on and they go undefeated. Um. Anyways, win a potential twelve-team playoff with JT. Um. Yeah, I'm going I mean, over. I think it goes without saying. I don't. I mean. Two losses, one loss, very, very easily conceivable with Clemson. Two, in the regular season, getting margins are getting pretty thin there. Uh, I'm going with, but, I'm going with eleven wins. I'll take. Yeah, I'll take yeah. My wins. only thing is just as soon as they lose to Clemson, it, it, not that they're going to. I think it's really close. I honestly would pick Georgia right now, um, but I'm just saying. You wake up on the fifth. They just lost to Clemson. All of a sudden, you're it's looking scary. Like, does that do, can Georgia win bad? the next? I mean, just based on their oh, history, oh for the win total, yeah, yeah, yeah for the win total. Yeah. Like, can they go eleven and zero the rest of the way? Like, that's looking tough. So, if you think Clemson wins, you know, obviously you don't have to pick that to pick the win total exactly. But I'm just saying, if Clemson wins week one, then the win total starts to look scary. So, I'm probably staying away from it. But I might have an undercase over if I had to choose, I guess. Okay. Because I do okay. think they're a different team, and I do think they have a great shot to beat Clemson. I mean, they're not that different of a team, though. Like, the real quickly, what I'll say is that, like, they are at the top level of recruiting. Um, 
they are in the same yeah. conversation as Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama when it comes to recruiting, if not better than those programs in some well, recent years. I mean, and the, before <clears throat> before this year, before recently they were before yeah. like like in the last year they've kind of fallen off a bit. But yeah, yeah, no, you're you're totally right though. Avoid Bama in the crossover. I mean, I don't. Of course, in the SEC, just a reminder: you only have to play eight conference games instead of nine. So, I mean, you get an extra Charleston Southern boost towards the end of the season as opposed to, you know, playing another conference, a conference Twinkie who might snap up and beat you. Um, yeah, I'm taking the over on that. Okay, let's go to the other uh, East contender, Florida. Um, nine is their win total. I'm kind of thinking over on this, but they do play Bama. It is at home, but they do play Bama um, in week three, which will be the best game of week three, I imagine. Um, actually, maybe Auburn-Penn State, but we'll get to that. Um, they play LSU week seven. I think that's kind of what this might hinge on. Um, obviously, uh, Uga week nine is, you know, not a toss-up leaning Georgia, but it's a winnable, you know, it's a potential win for Florida. Um I don't know. I think between hmm, – I'm having a tough time finding – their total's nine, so we need three losses here. Ah, that's, I'd kind of want to stay away from this, but I think I'm actually leaning over. I hate to say that because I don't like Florida, but yeah, I'm leaning I, over. I, I, yeah. I do think even though the culture looked bad in the bowl game and stuff and they, they fell apart after um, – the LSU game. <laughs> yeah, and, and after the the Alabama game, they kind of showed up, but wasn't great. Um, it's one of those though where like the game was over at halftime. Like I'm sorry that. Yeah. Yeah, but I do kind of trust them more than LSU this year. I feel like. So if you're saying it hinges on that one, that's a it, big game. Yeah, that's a big game. Eight and four though, like. Are they going to drop like their non-conference except for Florida State? But yeah, I mean, even that is not great. Their non-conference is just pretty soft. Like the Bama, I I mean, they could lose to LSU and still like be in fine position to push because they just what else really even threatens? I mean, it? that's the thing though is they could just drop a random game somewhere. I mean, I think Florida's right, on right. that tier where they're going to lose. I feel like they're going to lose one just random SEC game. Maybe it's Tennessee. Maybe it's like Kentucky or Mizzou or something like that. Um, I, I don't know, yeah. man. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I, I'm over, but I'm it's a skeptical over with Florida and nine yeah. wins. Fuck, dude, is Florida's not a ten win team, man? Oh, this is a solid push. I am staying far away from this. I think nine is. You no, you're right. I mean, well, the schedule is isn't that hard though. It's they really could not. be a 10-win I mean, team. That's the thing. Like, if they beat yeah. LSU, and, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but it, it's not like they can't beat Georgia. No, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they won that game pretty convincingly last year, so. But who's they, start, they lost a lot. They Georgia? lost a lot, right. <laughs> they lost, right, and, right. Um, okay, and, yes, they, to, did, they do lose a Heisman finalist in Kyle Trask. Um, right, and, and – uh, Pitts is all. I mean, yes, and Kyle Pitts, who <laughs> maybe should have been the finalist instead. Right, but um, 
So our, what, what's your call on that? Just for future um, reference. I'm calling it. Oh, I'm dude. lowercase over. Okay. Um, we don't have to talk about Mizzou, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, or Vanderbilt because none of those teams are going to win the East. Um, it's, it's interesting though, that Mizzou is third in line, uh, in these odds. And plus 700. That's, that's kind of surprising. And they have, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Mizzou's that team that upsets. I mean, to be honest, I just don't know about uh, much about Mizzou. Isn't it, uh, what is that, Eli Drinkwitz there, I think? I think so. That's um, So if they're really that team, like, I think I'm kind of scanning over that logo. If they're that team that probably beats Georgia or Florida, that pulls that kind of classic SEC East upset this year, mm-hmm. then maybe that happens. Like Kentucky, too. Maybe, can maybe you know, Kentucky I kind of, like, gloss over, but they could do what South Carolina's done to – to those teams before. Yeah. Tennessee's got some talent. Um, yeah. although they, they did lose Toto and I think they lost a few other guys. Obviously they had the McDonald's bag scandal, um, recently and Josh Hype is not, doesn't seem like the guy, but I don't know. Do you have any interest in sprinkling, uh, Vanderbilt to win the division? Uh, I do not actually at, at plus 20,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Just for reference, uh, I want to compare that odds to, to something. Um, Vanderbilt winning the division is just as likely as Oregon State winning the national championship. That, that's, <laughs> that's what funny. I would like to compare that to. Yeah. Uh, do you want to win, do win totals for these others? or I, I don't even think it's relevant. Um, maybe we should move on to the West. Yeah, West. Let's, let's get through this. Uh, Bama, minus 350, same odds as Georgia to win the division. <clears throat> pretty much expected that those two teams will meet again in Atlanta for the SEC title game. Uh, Bama's win total is at 11 and a half. And uh, before we get into the schedule, I'm going to take the under. I'm taking the under too. I believe there's at least one loss between these five games I'm about to list out. Are you ready? Yep. Miami, Florida, or sorry, sorry. Miami, neutral field, although it's in... Uh, Atlanta. Uh, they got at Florida, at Texas A&M, which is the most likely of these, LSU at home, and at Auburn to end the season. They are double-digit favorites in all of those games and probably still will be by the time those kickoffs happen. Doesn't matter. I They're going to drop one of them. I don't know where it'll be, but I feel like they're going to drop one of them. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I think... Um... Yeah, I mean, you covered it there. Uh, if they don't, I think it says a lot about a shift in this sport where mainly because of the offensive innovation um, that teams have done, uh, kind of falling in line behind you know spread principles that Oregon did and expanding on them, obviously. That Nick Saban wants um, Right, and, and the R- RPO and all of that that's made college offenses that much more explosive. If, if Alabama is able to do this again after replacing a quarterback and, and a lot of weapons, um, obviously, um, I think it says something about we're at a point in the sport now where upsets are less likely, um, where because of the innovations on offenses, we're able to play games with bigger margins for error if they're elite teams. Mm-hmm. Um, because... You know, like I said before, if if you walk in and you score 14 points, no matter how elite your defense is in the ball control, 
you're still, you know, looking at we fumble here, we throw a pick six there, and all of a sudden this thing gets pretty hairy when we can't move the ball with that much confidence um, and put up points. So it'll be interesting if, if Alabama, you know, there's a lot of big lines here, like you said, mm-hmm. and Alabama hit a lot of them last year. You know, uh, they blew out AM, even though AM was the fifth or sixth best team. We saw that it was that didn't mean that they were within three touchdowns of, of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But right now, I think, you know, looking at the history of college football, maybe this is a new era, but I think Alabama is going to drop one of these years in a year that I don't think this is a historically great Alabama team we're going to see um, yeah. in the same way last year was. Yeah, I agree. Um I don't really know if we need to spend much more time right. on that other than the new quarterback. Bryce Young, of course, is a five-star, but, you know, you know, actually, you don't know. You never know. Uh, both unders there. Okay. Again, 11.5 is, if you're taking the over there, that means you're running the table. And there's right. so many hiccups, potential we're, hiccups. We're not there. saying Alabama's a bad team, obviously. No, no. 11-1, and <clears throat> one, though, is, you know, is... You're still really good if you go 11-1. Obviously, the biggest game in the SEC West this year, and potentially in, well, actually, no, not potentially in all college football. What am I saying? Uh, But potentially biggest in the conference is um, A&M hosting Alabama week six. That's October 9th. I Um, just want to... Go ahead. Biggest game in all of college football, Clemson, Georgia, week one, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so. no dispute, yeah. Right. Um, uh, but go ahead. A&M almost got that done last year, except they, like, almost – what am I saying? Not almost, no. They did not get it done last year against Alabama. Yeah. Um, went <laughs> Wait on a to, Yeah, yeah. Went on to just complain uh, their way into a number fifth ranking at the end of the year. Uh, they played North Carolina in the Citrus Bowl? Peach? Cotton Bowl. Okay. One, one of them bowls. Sure. That was a close game, if I recall. Uh, I do remember not watching it, though. Um, to disappoint some people. But, uh, yeah. A&M, again, they got that weird Colorado game week two. Um, if they drop that, I'm definitely taking under nine and a half. But um, that won't probably won't be available by then. Uh, their biggest <laughs> games... Their biggest games are, as I mentioned, hosting Bama. Um they play they host Auburn as well in week 10 and they go to LSU at the end of the year between though okay okay I'll say this much right Bama you should count as a loss LSU and Auburn like those those two together I think you can count as a loss and then I think between the Colorado game neutral field the arkansas game neutral field is in jerry world and between like mizzou away Ole miss away i just think there's another loss buried in there somewhere so i'm i'm going under with a&m even though wow. i'm not thinking so to start i don't think yeah, I, I don't, see I don't the little, to 10 wins i see the note in your document saying <laughs> 10 and a half yeah no i'm, I'm switching that up i don't think um so. i was thinking kellen mond was still the quarterback and he's not so that is important. Um, 
Yeah, I like I like what you're thinking there. I don't know. I think I could see it's it's tough. I could see it's a good number. You know, I could see ten and two. I think I could see uh, nine and three pretty easily. But if they take a step back again, you know, I mean, just to bring this back to what we all care about, Oregon. It, if they are out, if they go nine and three or something, um, this starts to look like a year where it's about those big five. And luckily you have Georgia and Alabama have to meet and Georgia and Clemson have to meet. Mm-hmm. And we could take care, you know, we play Ohio state. That's going to be a really tough game, but we could take care of them and open up a path. Or even if we don't, it, I don't think it could, it might not be over depending on what happens with Oklahoma and stuff. We'll get to all that later. Yeah. Um, but I think, I'm not seeing that many clear threats below that five. Like A&M, it still feels like looking at the schedule is a year away or, or maybe longer Yeah, from me really but saying. But how long have we been saying that, though? This is year right. four of Jimbo at A&M. Right. So, I mean. Um, so, yeah, I think, but I don't know. I think I might go, I might lean 10, 10 and 2, but I, I, I'm not, I'm it's not something I'd put my money on, you know. I'll, I'll give you a little over there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> LSU eight and a half, step below. Obviously, they got that game in the Rose Bowl to start the year. Uh, they host Auburn in Week Five, which we'll talk about Auburn in a in a little bit. But um, they're they're very very interesting program this year. Yeah. Um, Florida Week Seven with LSU is a big one. Uh, obviously they, they go to Bama week 10 and then they finish up against A&M in, uh, Baton Rouge. I think I'm taking over with LSU. I think they're going to get back to what they were, not what they were, but I think they'll be better than last year. Yeah. I said, I was suspicious of them before. I still am a little bit. Um, but I think I'm going over too, just because of that upside, you know, again, they could go. I could see them going ten and two easily, and with the eight and a half number, and I could see that if they put it together. Um, I don't, but it is a tough schedule, you know. The Florida, Bama, and A and M, and that UCLA SEC, game. You get these all, games like Ole Miss away from home, Kentucky away from home, Mississippi State away from home. Like those are all tough ooh. games. Yeah, I'm talking myself out of it a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do I see one loss in there, though? I don't know. I'll, I'll stick with my slight over on LSU. I'll say LSU is kind of – I think of LSU as a tiny bit ahead of A&M in terms of winning the uh, – in, in terms of, like, winning second in the West because that's really what they're playing for at this rate. I think – I think I – I think – yeah. yeah I don't the know. odds disagree with me, but not by much. I think LSU could put it together and threaten Bama more than I think Texas A&M could. That's fair. Like, That's fair. Like LSU has the DNA there from two years ago, at least a little bit. Do they though? I don't even know how much that roster turned yeah. over a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. They're 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 one of the toughest teams to read in the whole country for sure. So. That's true. That's true. Uh, anyone else you want to hit Auburn in the West? Yeah, let's hit Auburn real quick. They're at seven because uh, I want to talk about this Penn State game. This is a huge game for both these coaches in their respective programs for totally different reasons. 
Brian Harson, year one at Auburn. They got him from Boise State. Obviously, Andy Avalos went and replaced him um, at Boise. And uh, Brian Harson was he wasn't really their guy when they were doing this coaching search, but nobody really was. Um, it was more so that their fans and boosters just got super pissed and needed to get away from uh, Gus. But, I mean, they, they didn't really have anybody. I mean, not really. They, they didn't have anybody lined up to replace him, and it really showed and it really hurt them. Um, so, again, they go to Happy Valley, uh, Pennsylvania to play Penn State in week three. Um, right now, they are about touchdown underdogs for that game against Penn State. But that'll be that'll be a big measuring stick. And then on the other side of it, with Penn State, um, why why can I not remember the uh, Franklin James Franklin is kind of in a almost Clay Helton type situation where. Um, they had a terrible year last year and they, you got to turn it around at some point. So when are you going to, uh, again, Penn state's kind of on that list of like potential playoff teams. If they put it together, potential national title winners, if they have some breakout stars. Um, but I, I just don't really see it happening for them. And I, I kind of trust, I don't know. I, I would, I think I'd take Auburn. Well, I don't know. That's a really tough line. I think I would take Auburn on it, though, for that Week 3 game. Then the rest of Auburn's schedule, I mean, you're going to be like... They're like slight underdogs in a lot of these games. Like, at LSU, they'll be slight underdogs. Hosting uh, UGA. At Texas A&M. Hosting Bama. Like, those are all just... I mean, they're games that... You know, if you're an Auburn fan, you kind of prick up your ears and go, oh, they could win that, but they probably won't. Yeah, and, and at the same time, they could lose to Ole Miss easily, I think. Yes, um, yes. Maybe Arkansas. But, they should have lost to Arkansas last year. Arkansas got screwed over in that game. I think they can get one of those. Um, I think they can. I think they can get one of those. One of those five. Um that you mentioned, Penn State, LSU, Georgia, A&M, and Bama. Um, seven seems about right to them. Seven seems right. But I don't. I think I could see them over overperforming getting eight and four before I see them going six and six, I guess I'd say. Okay, so slight over. I think, I think I'm in the same boat. I'm slight over. I like Brian Harson. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get eaten alive by that fan base. Um, because as I think Bud Elliott like, was the first to say this, uh, toughest job in college football by far is Auburn. And I agree. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, done with the SEC. Well, I mean, do you, do you want to give picks real fast? Do you think anyone other than Georgia and Bama are going to play for the title game? Bama, Georgia, and I'm excited to see it. I think, uh, you know, I'm tempted to pick Georgia to win the SEC. Um, just cause I think, I think this is the year Georgia is gearing up for, whereas Bama just had their year last year, you know? Bama's year is every year, man. It's so annoying. Yeah. Um, um, I think that's fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick Georgia to win it, just because why not? If they have a yeah, realistic shot, yeah. it's like the Ducks, I'm going to pick them to win it. So. Yeah. Um, um, I guess I'll go Georgia. I'll go Georgia. Yay. Georgia over Bama. Yep. Thanks. You're welcome, buddy. Um. <laughs> Big Ten, let's get through it real fast. There's not a ton of important programs that we want to talk about here, but there are 
a couple. Um, Ohio State's total is set at 11. Um, obviously, yeah. that with that kind of thing, it pretty much rides on the Oregon game. Week two. Yeah, I see a clear loss for them in week two. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing is Ohio State's kind of on the opposite of, of Auburn in that they have a lot of, like, potentially, like, semi-favorable, yeah. semi-favorable <laughs> games for them. This, wow, this that's year. a funny connection. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, they play at Indiana, which I know doesn't mean much, but Indiana, uh, as I as I learned yesterday on Split Zone Duo, great podcast. Um, Indiana has the best quarterback in the Big Ten in Penix Jr. Um, and they, all, lest we forget, Indiana probably gave Ohio State their best shot last year. Oh yeah. Out of any team other than Bama. Yep, that was a great game. Um, so they're right now they're like they're barely double digit favorites in all these games. Oregon right. at Indiana, Penn State, and at Michigan. Yeah. We Minnesota. know there's the stigma with Michigan. They'll probably win and hopefully Harbaugh will get fired. Um, but I don't know, man. Something about it. I'm taking the under for eleven. I kinda like that pick, honestly. Um kinda like that pick. I think uh, I wish that they had a harder draw from the West. Yeah. You know, if, if oh, they yeah. could, if they were playing Wisconsin, even Iowa, um, yeah. that would make me a little more convinced. Uh, but I, I agree. You know, again, I this Oregon game could be close. I, Me and you were talking, you know, that split zone duo, you shout them out. I listened to them um, too. And I was talking to you about, you know, damn it, that that preview gave me a little yeah. bit of hope because yeah. <laughs> they were talking about how Ohio State has some flaws this year. Um, and, I yeah, I think that's, you know, I don't think that we should just pencil in all these, you know, all those five teams to mm-hmm. go 11-1 and one or yeah. better. Yeah. And you know, Ohio State has a recipe for it. You know, with the Oregon game especially, uh, I think I'd be saying that even if it wasn't us, you know, if they mm-hmm. were playing um, A&M or I don't know who else would be a good example Yeah, there. someone else on that level, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, they could lose to Indiana or Penn State. I think it's tough to keep that up for a whole year. You have to be a really special team to play at the level to win every to go 12 and 0. Yeah. Um, and with a young quarterback like Stroud, you know, leading the team, I, it's going to be a little bit difficult, I think. Uh, so I like that. I think under, you know, I'm not like super confident on it, but I think it's more likely they go 10 and 2 than 12 and 0, honestly. There's two more mostly joking things I want to mention about Ohio State's schedule. One of them is that they play at Nebraska um, after those Indiana-Penn State games. Uh, (laughs) If Scott Frost is ever going to put it together, I think it has to be this year, but we're not diving into Nebraska at all. I just think it would be really funny if Nebraska won that game. The other thing is we could be entering not as extreme as, as this example, but sort of a 2007 Michigan situation with the Ducks where, yeah, we got this huge matchup where we have to go play Michigan in week two. Um, But 
and they they kind of overlook their first game uh, in anticipation of that. And obviously, Michigan lost to App State, which was much crazier than would be Ohio State losing to Minnesota on the road on a Thursday in week one. But it is plausible. Now, Minnesota is not as good as the Minnesota that almost uh, finished second to Ohio State in uh, in the West a few years ago. But, or, I mean, in in the Big Ten a few years ago. But, I mean, they're, they're a living, breathing, competent, football team in the middle of the big 10 uh yeah and i mean it's it's like cj stroud is not a proven commodity like i think you know he he could easily uh if things click he could be a heisman finalist like that could happen he's he's super talented but it's his first game against minnesota right like is (laughs) um They'll be out for Things blood. Could go the Gophers bad, don't mess you know? around, man. Right. The Gophers right. know Absolutely. that like, they're going to be overlooked in that game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Um, I kind of uh, wish that – I wish we were playing them first game, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but what? I, I, hopefully it doesn't wake them up and they unleash it all their frustration on out on us. And hope <laughs> honestly, hopefully they don't lose in my mind. Because I would, I want that. If 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 someone's gonna beat them, uh, when they're a preseason top five team, I want it to be Oregon, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, Penn State, kind of the only other team with a shot to win the East. I get. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I'd say like Penn State, Michigan, and Indiana are all sort of on that second tier. Um, yeah, Maryland like- is listed as the same odds as them, but I don't know about that one. Um, so I, Penn State's listed. Don't they nine. have, uh, Maryland has two as younger yeah, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I, um, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Penn State are obviously like the best out of those three teams to challenge Ohio State for the East. Um, they open the year with Wisconsin and that will be a very, very interesting game for both those programs. Um, Wisconsin obviously would be looked at much differently if they could have closed the door on us in the Rose Bowl. Um, Penn State, you could say the same if, shoot, maybe they don't lose week one to Indiana last year when they were, I think they were ranked in the top 10 for that game. Um, And then just had a terrible downslide last season. Again, like I mentioned earlier, James Franklin could be in trouble um, if Penn State have a rough season. So nine wins, I think, is is pretty pretty accurate for them. Um, rolling through it real quick, uh, they have Iowa and Wisconsin as crossovers, which are both tough. Um, they play Ohio State at Ohio State at Maryland, and then host Michigan in a three game stretch, week nine, ten, eleven. That's tough. Uh, Michigan State to end the year. I mean, Michigan State sucks now, but they are a big name. I'll ca- take a cautious over with Penn State. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, oh man, dude, that sounds bad when I say it out loud. I the more I think about this, like if I think Ohio State's down and Penn State's maybe down, like, and I always kind of am skeptical of Michigan. Like, 
for good reason. Give me Indiana to win the conference. Hell win yeah, the, uh... baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, you know, with the odds, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not, like, went straight up pick them over Ohio State, but I think, yeah, yeah. Because Penn State, I think you're right, um, that it's just a little skeptical. I mean, they had a bad year last year. And they could easily lose Wisconsin, lose Auburn, and then they still have Indiana and Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule. Yeah. Um, but maybe they maybe they beat Wisconsin, Auburn, uh, and then they're two winnable uh, games. Yeah, they're probably favored in both of those. Probably, barely, yeah. barely, but but probably favored. Yeah, um, nine's probably a good number. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe over though, given my Ohio State thing, like slight over, kind of same page. Yeah, yeah. I I don't like. It's really hard to look at Penn State and say they're a ten win team, but at the same they time, they have been before. They you know. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I don't think they're if, a playoff team, but I think they're a potential one. If um, we just forgot about last year, though, it would be easy to say that they are. Yeah, which last year will not mean a lot for this year, right? Um, as we've mentioned. I okay. forgot to put Michigan's schedule on this spreadsheet, but I don't really know if we need to. Um, I, f- I feel over seven and a half is, is fine for them with the win total. That seems very low. Uh, again, Honestly, they're, they're kind yeah, of when I, tier of like boomer bust, big program that's been sleeping for a while. But. When I look at these over-unders and I see Ohio State, Penn State at 11 and nine, and then Michigan and Indiana at seven and a half both, I kind of am like, maybe you go under on the top two and over on Michigan and Indiana. Do you think Harbaugh, in any world, uh, two questions, and they're kind of the reverse of each other. If Michigan goes under eight wins, is Harbaugh gone? And then a follow-up, if they go over, could he still be gone? Say if they get eight wins, could he still be gone? I don't know. So much with Michigan, it's just... There's so much beyond football going on there. You know, just they have a certain ego about where they stand as a university and what they want their coach to represent and all of that. And culturally, Harbaugh's a good fit. So I don't know if they're looking to get rid of him as quickly as some people think. Yeah. But at the same time, from the outside, it certainly looks like I mean, when is this guy ever going to beat Ohio State? And if he's not going to do that, then why is he your head coach? So That's a good point. Again, their toughest games, I mean, they very easily could go, uh, just looking at this, they very, very easily could go 7-5. and five. Uh, Washington, losable. Uh, Wisconsin, if that's at Wisconsin, and then at Nebraska back-to-back weeks, both losable. Um Northwestern, losable. I mean, I hate, like, <laughs> it's not at Northwestern, but that's just the nature of Northwestern. Indiana and Penn State, both losable. I think at Maryland is losable. Uh, at Penn State, they won't be favored. Um, and then obviously Ohio State at the end. I mean, we could be looking at Michigan not making the, uh, I'm making a bowl game. But that being said, I'm taking the over. I, I think that this is kind of the year that Harbaugh takes care of business against those lower tier teams. Well, I mean, not like this is the year. I mean, he's done this in the past where you take care of business against the the perceived lower tier 
Big Ten teams, even if you lose to Ohio State, you know, you could still potentially be looking at as many as 11 wins. Um, probably not against Penn State, so maybe 10, but even so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm taking the over with Michigan on seven and a half. Yeah, seven and a half is just a good number in my mind. That's the thing. I mean, it's always based on the number, you know, like if someone said, like, do you like Michigan or not? Or how, like, do you think they're underrated or overrated? You know, like I don't have a positive perception of them going in, but then when I see seven and a half, I say maybe that's an over. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Big 10 predictions real quick, maybe for the East and West. Uh, I really don't see anyone but Ohio State coming out of this conference, much less this division. As we said, it is possible uh, with Penn State, Michigan. What do you mean? We just talked about them having it down here. Yeah, okay. I I guess I was a little extreme on that intro. Um, No, but the thing thing that you're right about, though, is let's just say – Okay, I really don't want to get have people get the wrong impression because I'm not like saying Oregon's the favorite against Ohio State at all, right? Yeah. But for argument's sake, let's if Ohio State drops the game to Oregon, which I think is a big deal for them hitting that under 11. Yeah. Then they still would only have one loss in conference. So Yeah. That so they could still win the division and the conference with going under. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if I trust Indiana to go to have one loss in conference, even if they upset no, Ohio State, yeah. you know? I, I don't think the same for Michigan either. Penn State, maybe. Um, but again, they would have to beat Ohio State to then clinch the division. So I'll, I'll, I'll still pick Ohio State to win the East and, and win the conference. But in if it's not... You know, if, of course, hypothetically, taking Ohio State out of the equation, say they have a down year, who's your next up to take it? Wisconsin? Iowa? From the West? Or is it um, just Penn State or Michigan? Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin has the track record to do it. So, yeah. I think they could... Like, Wisconsin's a measuring stick in my mind, you know? Yeah, They're, yeah. Is Wisconsin ever going to win a national title? Yeah, exactly. You know, are they going to win the national title? Probably not. But if you're good, if you're really good, you're going to beat them. If you're just pretty good, you're probably going to lose to them. Yeah. You know? um, and so if, if we think that Ohio State might not be that elite, elite team, then uh, – Wisconsin's gonna have a good shot at them, I think. So Wisconsin's my other my other uh, secondary pick to win the conference, but I don't know. Yeah, Ohio I like State, Iowa too, but yeah, it's yeah. tough. Yeah, shoot, if Minnesota can beat Ohio State, they can beat anybody. Um, I'm not. I'm it not saying be they can resurgent. beat Ohio State, but if they somehow do, then you know it would be a resurgent year for them for sure. Uh, the one thing I gathered from picking up all these odds on the Big Ten is that poor Rutgers didn't even get odds. Um, <laughs> first tough. I, I I don't I didn't think they were that bad, but I don't know. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's do Big Twelve real quick. We we don't even need to go as deep as we went with the other ones. Oklahoma also listed as eleven wins. Um. And honestly, I'm having a real tough time finding one loss on this schedule. Uh. I see. Oh, geez. Wow. Maybe not. I see four potential 
and like capital quotation marks underscored potential losses. Let me wait. Let me guess them. Okay. Texas is one. Yep. Iowa State is one. Yep. Oklahoma State. Yep. Uh, are you going to go Kansas State or TCU? I t- Kansas State. Kansas State yeah. or no? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that was – I was looking at TCU, and that's like, eh, I, I think they can take care of TCU. I think the more uh, – the better answer would be that between those two, there's one, right. like, quarter of a loss <laughs> if we're counting totals. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I push at 11. Like, uh, honestly, over. I would probably – no, I, I do think the table. Oh. I do think Oklahoma is underrated. I'll say that though. I think that a lot of people think they're just the same old Oklahoma team, and I think they're better um, than usual. I think in past years they had no shot in a playoff scenario, and in this year I think they do have a shot. And Spencer Radler could take another hey, step up. He's the favorite to win the Heisman. Right. Not with good odds, but I mean he is, you know, it's people guessing and they're guessing Rattler. So And and I do think their defense is improved. I don't think that's I don't think that's just making things up. I do think that they are a little improved. Um so this could be the year. I mean I think it would be interesting to see um see maybe both Oklahoma and, and Georgia solve their different issues and uh kind of really push those top three Ohio State, Clemson, and Bama who all have a bit of an uncertain year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously we get our first test of that in Georgia Clemson week one. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think... Uh, Just with Oklahoma, it's about momentum, I, I think. I mean, they yeah. don't have a tough game re- until at Kansas State. Sorry Tulane week one, but... Um, is that really too late? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, yeah. No you're, you guys are hosting no Oklahoma way. Week One. Um, that's pretty cool. No way. Yeah, yeah I'm Real? pretty sure, dude. I'll, I'll look it up right now. I'm unless I like meant to write Tulsa, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. Um, but I'm point being, on is national TV, Oklahoma's going to have a nice like uh, run at things to start the year. They should be five and zero by the time they get to that uh, Texas game. Um, I, it, it's the same to me as Georgia, though. Like in past years, it was just I don't know if I can trust them to not drop a random game. Yeah, you that know, is to lose to Kansas well. State. Um, so you know, but if they get over that hump and they're able, I mean, even like I said with Oregon, if they're able to turn those. Kansas State and TCUs and Oklahoma State, maybe even from the pencil W into the pen, you know, Sharpie W. And then they just can focus on two big games against Texas and Iowa State. Then I like Oklahoma's chances here. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Um, I th- there are three games that will decide this conference more than likely. I, I think it's safe to say Ohio, Oklahoma State is kind of like like run out of gas in terms of challenging for that conference. Um, That's how it seems a bit, yeah. Like it seems like a three-horse race, mostly being Oklahoma, but Iowa State and Texas kind of the other two to challenge. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so those are the other two teams we'll predict. Uh, Iowa State. Agree. So, oh wait, real quick, Oklahoma over under eleven. I'm going slight over. I think they're more slight likely over. to go twelve and zero. Yeah. I think there's a great too. chance of a push, but I think slight over. Yeah. Because I think they're better. Yeah. I'd stay far away from it. Iowa State's at nine and a half. Um, as always, they play Iowa early in the year as as that rivalry game out of conference. Could be a big game. Always will, will be an interesting game. Yeah. Always very important. Um, other than that, though, I mean. The Big 12 is so bad, man. Like, They're worse than the Pac-12. I'll die on that hill. I, I think they are, Like, especially just with less teams. I mean, Kansas, I don't know if Kansas is going to win a single game this year. Their total's at one and a half. And, uh, we need a Kansas-Arizona matchup. For the people, for the culture. <laughs> um, throw Rutgers in there as well. <laughs> we I think know what Rutgers might be. be a little better, though, this year, actually. Rutgers I might be this, on sort of a Duke-Illinois-Syracuse level. Yeah, I think Split Zone had mentioned that maybe, Okay, if I remember right. But anyways. Um, so Iowa State, I mean, Iowa's a potential loss. I don't know, though. Based on, like, last year and how well they played. Oh, God. I hate saying based on last year. But, I mean, they should beat the likes of Baylor, Kansas, obviously. Kansas State. They Oklahoma State might be a good game. But what I was saying is the three matchups this will rest on is the games between Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Texas. Um, yeah. uh, Texas-Oklahoma is week six. Texas-Iowa State is week 10. And then Oklahoma and Iowa State is week 12. So 6, oh, 10, that's gonna and 12. going to be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Iowa State, I, I want to bet over, but are they a 10-win team? In the regular season, they barely beat Texas last year. They barely lost to Oklahoma. Is that right? Or didn't mm-hmm. they, they lost to him twice? Mm-hmm. I don't know, dude. I don't even remember anything about the Big 12 last year. Yeah, I remember <laughs> they lost in the title game. I forget if they... Yeah, I forget. Either way, I think I'm going under on, on Iowa State. And I think I'm going to take over on Texas with eight. Yeah. Um, I th- I like those picks. Um, yeah, maybe I, it's Texas. I, I felt like they're so stale for a long time under Herman. You know, like yeah. it was like what this team always seems to mess it up somehow. And uh, they get the preseason hype and I just could so easily dismiss it yep. before I felt like. But now it's... I'm excited to see what Sark might be able to do. So, yeah, I'll go over there. Um, real quick, though, comp- I want I want to say oh. about Texas real quick. Uh, their first two games, very losable games. They play Louisiana, formerly Louisiana Lafayette, which is is one of those games. It's, uh, it's a game you don't want to put on your schedule. <laughs> right. Because if you win, it doesn't look good. And if you lose, it looks real bad, even though Louisiana is a pretty competent team. Um, and then they play at Arkansas in week two, like not a Jerry world game, like at Arkansas. So that, yeah, could, could be staring down some real tough times for Texas, but I think they'll win both those games. I think they'll get over eight. Um, ACC, let's get it over with, uh, Clemson, you know, the story already, uh, big game against Elga to start the year. And then it is dog water for the rest they should be 
two, if not three touchdown favorites in all of those remaining games. Um, I'm struggling to even find another notable like game on there. Maybe, no, never mind. Maybe at NC State in week four. Yeah, yeah. But that's about it. Clemson's total is 11 and a half, and it, it's pretty much asking whether or not they'll beat Georgia. Um, so and for that reason, I'll go under. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm under as well. Uh, like I said, I, I like Georgia this year, and I think I, I like their chances in that game enough. Um, if you're an Oregon fan which you probably are if you're listening. Um, uh, your hope here is Clemson loses to Georgia. Big. And then they drop big. Yeah, as big as you can get. And then they drop maybe that NC State game. Yeah. Um, maybe another random one somewhere in there. Florida State, yeah. you know. But, you know, while they're still recovering maybe, and they drop that NC State and all of a sudden they're gone. I mean, that's it for them, really. A rambling wreck. And they don't have Miami or North Carolina on the nope. schedule. <laughs> or so Notre Dame, because Notre Dame's not an ACC team anymore. <laughs> right. So, I mean, if they lose to Georgia, and if they lose big, I don't know, man. It's tough, because I know that... Uh, I know that they have the brand name and the past success, but if you just look at this year in a vacuum, it's tough to imagine, tough to make the argument that if Clemson loses to Clemson uh, lose to Georgia and Oregon loses to Ohio State, and then both teams run the table, how is Oregon not ranked higher? Doesn't get preference yeah. to go in. Just looking at this year, maybe the committee you know, says, oh, we just think Clemson's the better team. They probably would do that, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I just don't – what else is there on the schedule? And it, even the NC State game, like, That's, that could have – We're grasping at straws with calling that, like, a close one. I mean – well. Well, one, one, we're grasping at straws, but two, like, that's one thing. If, if that's, like, week 11 and maybe yeah. NC State – rolls through the rest of the ACC and they can build up that momentum. But that's week four. Like if Clemson went loses and they play NC state in week four, like that's not even going to be a highly ranked matchup at all. This is the year for NC state, by the way, their win total set at 10. Like it's, th this is it for them. Kind of like North Carolina as well. Actually. Um, we've been hearing that for a couple years now. Well, maybe just one year for North Carolina, couldn't get it done against Notre Dame, but they don't have to worry about Notre Dame this year. They just got to worry about like Miami. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's I, I agree with the under for Clemson, but at the same time, this is a scant schedule. Once you get past Week One, I real quick uh, some script writing. Um, the Pac-12 could establish could cement itself as the third best conference in college football by the end of Week Three. Hot yeah. That's a hot take, but possibly, possibly two if Penn State gets blown out by Auburn. Well, okay, now now we've got if, a hot. Take. If Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, the three best teams in the Big Ten, or three three of the best, like four or five, get blown out in the first three weeks of the season, that's hey man. 
Well, look, let, let's not go off the deep end here. <laughs> Bro, you throw Oregon, in some group of five Oregon, losses, Ohio- you never know. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, Oregon, Oregon, Ohio State's not going to be a blowout for Oregon. We don't know that. We don't <clears throat> well, know yeah, that. we don't know that. We don't know that. But that's a bit never more. Die. But I don't even think you need that necessarily. Like, even if it's just Oregon and Washington beat Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah. That alone is like, what's your, like, then you're just riding Wisconsin as the Big Ten and like Penn State maybe. But it's like Ohio State, Michigan, those are the two biggest brands. Yeah, that's true. In the Big Ten. And if Oregon and Washington beat them, you know, that's a big statement. Now, it's not like, it's not like Oregon or Washington's favored in those games, but they're both close. It could definitely happen. Yeah. Uh, last team, very quickly for our over under Miami at nine and a half. Um, what about what? What about North Carolina too, though? But we do Miami first. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do. So for those unfamiliar with the ACC divisions, I had to write them out just to remind myself. Um, there's the Atlantic and the Coastal, which is <laughs> thanks for making it easy on us. Um, uh, the Atlantic is Clemson, which they win every year. Uh, NC State, Louisville, Florida State, Boston College, Wake Forest at Syracuse in the Atlantic. Uh, the Coastal is North Carolina, Miami, Virginia Tech, Pitt, Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Duke. Um, those are kind of listed in order of who's most likely to win. Two-horse race in the Coastal um, between North Carolina and Miami. And uh, I don't know, man, it's hard to argue against Miami, but... Sam Howell is back, right, for North Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they could be good again. Again, uh, Notre Dame is not in that division as they were last year. So there's a lot more room for improvement for Miami and North Carolina. Obviously for Miami, the, it's, the big story and most of their season is going to be defined by how they play against Bama. Are they going to get the, you know, are they going to be wiped yeah. into the floor like USC and so many others were? Uh, or are they going to, you know, make it competitive at least and, you know, maybe make it a game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they also play at UNC, which is kind of the, their other notable game, and at Florida State, I guess. But they do avoid Clemson, uh, as, North, as North Carolina does. So I think that'll be a really interesting race to watch, uh, a divisional race at least between North Carolina and Miami. For nine and a half wins, though, I mean, you got to count Bama as a loss. Uh, I feel like they'll lose to one of the North Carolina schools, and they're mm, over. I guess I'll go over. For, wow, fuck! Was Miami a ten-win team? God, this is the same thing, man. Yeah, I will say. Um, I mean, I just don't. I don't like their chances against Bama to even keep it in single digits. They didn't look good against Clemson last year when they played a team of that caliber. I don't love North Carolina at the same time, though. I don't. Yeah. I think Sam Howell's a bit overrated. They have good secondary, but I think there's some cannibalism uh, in the coastal. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech. I'm not going to count out totally, uh, even though I'm not going to pick them. Um, I think you know the interesting thing is if Miami does get out of the coastal, then again you go back to Clemson. Say they lose to Georgia. My, then their big next big chance is against Miami, final statement in the conference championship. 
but that Miami team will have a result on their record against Bama. Yeah. You know, so if Miami has been blown out by Bama, then that takes another chance for a marquee win away from Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, nine and a half for Miami, though. I think it's a good number with the Bama loss gone. Um, I do think they probably slight under, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're over. And I do think they, I do like them heads up against North Carolina, but I'm worried about the effect of that Bama loss um, on them. You know, do they drop one of those other games before they're by to Virginia or Michigan State even? Um, And then North Carolina State, I think, could upset them. But, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like me, are you taking unders on both of those? North Carolina and Miami? I think so. I think so. But it, but for my prediction, I'm going Clemson over Miami. Okay. If okay. that makes sense. I think I'll go Clemson over North Carolina. Um, yeah. I'm just not. you got to keep De'Aaron King healthy, and I don't know if, they'll be able, if Miami will be able to do that. The last program we'll touch on, Notre Dame, uh, obviously made the playoff last year, kind of. <laughs> maybe A&M had the better argument at the end of the day, but uh, Notre Dame got in, lost to Clemson, and the rest is history. Um, very interesting schedule, as always, for Notre Dame. Their win total is set at nine, which I just feel the same about Notre Dame as I do any year. Um, they start with at Florida State. Uh, they play Wisconsin week four in Soldier Field in Chicago. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are currently three-point favorites against USC in Week 8. That is in South Bend. Uh, they play UNC in South Bend the week after. There's another big game for the Pac-12, that USC-Notre uh, yep, Dame game. Yep, I would also add uh, Stanford-Notre Dame to that list. If Stanford can beat Notre Dame, you know, that's good for the perception. So... So this this total is basically asking, is Notre Dame like what they've been the past few years or are what they or are they what they were last year? What um, what's the total again? Nine. So if it's over, you're basically saying they're a New Year's six team. And if you're under, you're saying they're like an what is that, like Outback Bowl team or whatever. Yeah. I hate Notre I, Dame, so I'm going under. <laughs> I do, I do buy into what they do did last year as a little bit real. Like I do yeah. think that I mean we would kill for the win that they had against uh, Clemson. Clemson, you classic, know, so, absolute classic. So I respect that, but at the same time, uh, that I think you know they lose a lot. I think last year was a year for them, and. That nine win total, I think, you know, I probably have Wisconsin beating them. I think USC could beat them if USC's right, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Cincinnati's on the tough... schedule? Cincinnati, yeah. They have some tough games on here. I think it could be a setback year, but also they've translated, I will say, you know, this doesn't relate to this year, but their recruiting is really picked up. They're the number two class in the country right now for 2022. So 
I'm starting to like the things that Brian Kelly's doing there and believe that he could hit another point that Notre Dame isn't just stuck at that ceiling we thought they had. But um, this next year, I don't think is great for them. Uh, at nine, I think it's close. I'd probably stay away from it um, because I believe in Harson or because I believe in Kelly a little bit. I I think I'd go over slightly, but again, I'm staying away from it. Um, nice. Nice. And but that's good news for the for Oregon again. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. want to sound like all sunshine and rainbows, but <coughs> Notre, Notre Dame's the other team that is always like, okay, other four conferences check in with them, and then wait, what's Notre Dame doing? Are they, you know, could they just steal that fourth spot out of nowhere? I think this year, at least looking at it right now, it doesn't really look like Notre Dame's a serious threat for that playoff. Yep, we'll see, but. All right, so there's another one we maybe slightly disagree on, or at least if a gun was to our heads, would answer differently on. Um, the other ones being, uh, let's see, uh, the other one, the other slight disagreements, again, very slight, very slight, being Utah, you say under, I say over on eight and a half, UCLA, you say over seven, I say under, uh, Colorado, you say over four and a half, I say under. Uh, Arizona, slight difference. Florida, slight difference. Um, And yeah, I think we pretty much agreed on all the other conferences. Um, So yeah, Notre Dame is always interesting, but and they're always on TV. So if you ever want to just watch a random entertaining game that Notre Dame will probably win by like half a touchdown against some middle of the road team, it's, it's always on NBC. Um... Wow, man, you, that took a yeah. while. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to give playoff predictions, or you want to save that for a later episode? Uh, let's save it, dude. We we've bored these people I agree. long enough. Um, I agree. Yeah, honestly, we might want to consider splitting this into episodes. But you, the listener, have already stuck with us, so you're a real one. If you made it this far, either that or you fell asleep, which I mean, wouldn't be offended there either. Um, wow, I. 155 minutes i don't even know what that translates to and that's like uh, almost <laughs> hour time, 30 dude. two hours 35 jesus yeah all right well <laughs> yeah um not much else to say uh yeah those are our season pre- previews we'll do some more uh detailed predictions later on but um i think that's a good kind of baseline to get get people thinking about the landscape of college football heading into the season. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Um, you have anything else to say? Nope. See you next time. Go Ducks. Go Ducks.